Welcome. Thank you for joining me for another episode of FYI, I Am Damaged. I'm joined by Claudio, a photographer and entrepreneur. Claudio, thank you for joining us. Oscar, thank you so much for having me. It's great. I've been looking forward to this. Great. And I've been looking forward to having you ever since we discussed and were trading notes on all the stuff that we've done, how you are an amazing photographer and how... Working on it. <laughs> your podcast idea, which will we'll keep it in the vault. And okay. I, I, I hope you do something amazing with that. And Thanks. everything else, we came up on a topic that I thought would be great for a for an episode mm -hmm. and it's about homeschooling i was very surprised that you have your two kids in homeschool right i was very interested to learn about all that i thought it would just make a great episode so curious before um i we spoke about that the last time we were together did you know that i was homeschooling or that was Absolutely new to you not. right there no, that, that wow. was new to me the only time we since we experienced each other was when you did a photography shoot <laughs> for, time yeah, ago. Time ago. <laughs> for your firstborn yes he was one Yes. And he is how old now? 11. So it was 10 years ago. Yep. Okay, there we go. Just to put a, a timestamp on it. <laughs> and so, okay. So that's the that's the first time we met was 10 years ago for your son's first birthday. Right. And then we met again for your... It was the Yo Gabba Gabba birthday, I think. Sure. That yes, was yes. his first one, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, no, no, wait. It was, yeah, it was a Yo Gabba Gabba because that's... I we rolled it up. You would know more than I would, but no. I wouldn't remember. Honestly, oh no, we used uh, someone... No, that was... I'm thinking of the baby shower we had oh. a photographer for that but when it was his first birthday absolutely yeah it was your gabba gabba yeah okay the birthday let's talk about your gabba gabba <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i'm sorry you had a you had a question the question i had for you was um have you ever met anyone who has homeschooled their kids absolutely no i haven't really? okay. that's why i thought it was so interesting that a lot of a lot of questions came to mind as the dynamic to it I, I thought it was very interesting mm -hmm. I, I right. haven't really heard anything super negative about it it nothing really bad pertaining to it right. it's just it's just another form of learning sure I just thought it was interesting now I know somebody who mm. is doing it you know for their kids and yeah that's why we're here great I look forward to talking about it every chance I get I try to speak to people about it. For those who don't know, I have my own photo studio. I've been in business for 12 years, and I have had my physical photo studio for eight years, which means that I've had a lot of families, many, come through my studio. And uh, trust me, every opportunity I get, mm. I try to find a reason to bring that up. And I promise you, 90% of the time when I say my, I homeschool my kids, the parents perk up. And they, <laughs> they can't... I have questions, but what about socializing or what about exams or what about college and, mm -hmm. you know, so on and so forth. And, and most of them are intrigued because I feel that they, many parents would like to homeschool their kids. Right. And so I'm always eager to have this conversation. So it's great that we could put it on this platform and then we could, you know, put it in the, in the universe and, and hopefully it can help people. Homeschooling can't be for everybody and right. it's not for everybody but it's for many people and it's for many people who are like me and my wife and so i hope that for those who are a little bit um hesitant or apprehensive about doing something like that that your podcast and this conversation can help them yeah. uh, do that so um yeah i look forward to talking about it it's and and it's even more important to get to get it from the father's perspective because Honestly, right. anytime anything will come up in the news about homeschooling, the front facing would be the mother mm. and the father would just come in and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. It's great to get that type of in-depth perspective mm -hmm. about something like this. Hopefully it'll open up a lot of eyes. 
yeah. and that a f- more fathers can speak up that they well I'll follow my wife's lead. Mm-hmm. You, it's it's your kid. You sure. both can lead. Yeah, you know, there's no one leading position. Mm-mm. Each each has their own separate responsibilities mm-hmm. because they play different roles. Right. Yeah, and I play a different role than my wife. And we'll, as we talk about it, I'll, right. I'll give you insight into the role that I play in homeschooling and the mm-hmm. role my wife plays in homeschooling and how we do that together. And it's not equal. Right. It's different for each of us and, and, and the role that we play in, in homeschooling the children. So how did the discussion start with your wife and what was the tipping point to lead into let's just go do this? Right. The tipping point was, I don't know if this answers your question, but um, essentially what stops most people from... Or was it a gradual discussion up to it? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How did I mean, that something go? like that, you kind of have to talk about it because it's a yeah. radical oh, yeah. decision in today's society to pull your child out of school. And so it, it couldn't have been, it had to be gradual. I, I meant the thing that happened that allowed it to be was that I lost my job. Mm. At, but also while I had lost my job, I was building up my business. Right. So I was able to do that from home before working from home was a thing, right? Yeah. Uh, n- now it's everywhere, right? Because of post-COVID and all that stuff. But so I was able to, you know, I lost my job, which was the best thing that ever happened. And I had... What did you used to do? So I worked... So I, I never had any serious jobs. The last job I had was photography supervisor mm-hmm. at um, Madame Tussauds Wax Museum down on 42nd Street. Mm-hmm. So any... You know, Madame Tussauds is all over the world. There's a main... Not a main one. The main one is in London, but there's one in New York. Times Square and I worked there for six years and you know I was one of their best employees so on mm-hmm. and so forth you know but it's one of those jobs that doesn't pay very well I never right. had a serious job I didn't I, you know here's here's some foreshadowing I I didn't you know I didn't graduate college I hated school yeah. so here you go you kind of get like oh well there you go that's why you homeschool his children but it does have something to do with that so yes right. I lost my job there because I was so focused on my business which is a good reason to lose your job for it yeah. not because I'm lazy or whatever whatever so and then uh, my wife was like keep going um, you don't have to get a job which is the best thing ever to have your spouse go go for it you know yeah. and 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 th- all that leads to the opportunity, the open door that says, oh, shoot, we have one parent at home. The other parent is working because, you know, we have, we need two incomes. But that whether it was me or my wife, whoever would have happened, we probably would have said, yeah, that's it. Let's start homeschooling the kid. Mm-hmm. And at, the, at that point, we only had one child, which was my oldest. Right. He's 17 now. And he went all the way up to third grade. Mm-hmm. Um, public school. Public and, and one year of charter school. Oh, okay. Which I, you know, I, we put them in charter school. I still don't know what charter schools are. Whatever, maybe, maybe you know, you'll let me know. But, I, but it shows you how much, how little I cared about that, right. the, the system in general. So I was itching to rebel against the system, or or that institute. You know right. what I'm saying? I just knew that it's something that doesn't work for many people. It does work for some, but it doesn't work for many. I mean, the numbers just don't add up, right? So it's okay if it works for others, but it doesn't work for most people. So why not change it? So what we did is that we took destiny into our own hands and we changed it for at least our family. And hopefully conversations like this will inspire people to do it if they can uh, and if if it fits them to do it as well. But, uh, you know, I lost my job. My wife says, go for the go for it, meaning keep doing your business, don't get a job, all that is going to do is sideline you. And we took that opportunity to keep kids home. So actually my youngest was born, but he was he, he was like one or two. 
Mm-hmm. So we hadn't crossed that road yet with him in school. Right. So he's the youngest now. We only have two children. The youngest one, he is 11 years old, about to be 12 in August, and he's never been to school. Mm-hmm. So there goes that. We got one that's been all the way to third grade, so right. he's experienced some aspect of it. And then there's the 11-year-old who's never been to school. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how it happened, essentially. Um, we had the opportunity, and I always tell people that, you know, if you want to do homeschooling, you might not be able to because you have a nine to five because you're working so on and so forth and so but keep it in mind in case an opportunity arises where right. one parent or one parent starts a business and they're able to leave their job and maybe believe it or not you can homeschool your kids from work you can homeschool your kids from whatever business you run and we partially did that because when we first opened our photo studio my kids were coming to the studio with me right uh, now they're older they can stay home but you know we did it we did it that way and yeah so that's essentially how it how it happens for us i assume it's going to be different for everybody because there's no structure for this right there's yeah. no it's just however you you want to do it and so that's how it happened with us and we took the opportunity and took advantage of it and that's how it happened for us so initially what did your first son think and once you got your second child into it what did they think and were they able to at a certain point in time voiced their opinion on it and how old are they now and has that really changed did they really just jump into like a fish to water or is there some instances where it's a little bit challenging yeah no you're gonna it's gonna be challenging uh there's gonna be challenges in there and there's gonna be insecurity from the parent side uh we'll talk more about that but to answer your question first of all the youngest one doesn't know what school is right he he was born into homeschooling so they're really I mean, his opinion, whatever it is, is going to be skewed because he's never been to school. He's never Mm -hmm. had the experience of going, well, I don't want to do this or I do want to do this. He's always known to be at home and live the the structured family that we have, the way that we built it. And that's all he knows. He's 11 and he's lived. I mean, if you ask my 11-year-old son today if he wants to go to school, he's going to say no. Right. Okay. He might not know any better. You know, uh, maybe he does. But friends, and I'm assuming that they have friends that do go to the established school right and they kind of learn things from them but not hey come over to the dark side no it's <laughs> you know if they're learning oh you do that here why well, do this here right and do they come with you do they come to you with differentiating opinions and if they do does it have enough weight to consider what their opinion is regarding this right even though you're not going to change the whole setup Right. Just for one little conversation or one thing that may make you weigh what they're saying in this sort of aspect. Well, the oldest, my oldest son, he's 17. And believe it or not, we've asked him. We, I've asked him multiple times. But now this year, more than ever, I've asked him, do you want to go to school? Was it the first time or is it a reoccurring thing no, like we, year after year? No, we've asked him the last three years. Oh, okay. Because he's older now. Yeah. He might want to go to school. Yeah. So now here's, okay, so here's the, you know, so now we're dealing with a teenager. He's 17 years mm-hmm. old now, right? So he's about to be 18 in December. I, I remember asking, we asked him and, you know, for the last two years, because now we're like, okay, he should be in high school now. That's when he's supposed to be there. So we've, I think me and my wife are close to deciding that we're just going to put him in a senior year of high school mm. for the heck of it. Really? Yeah. And it's a, so this is the, the funny thing about it that it's not we, I, we don't care about the academics aspect of it. Mm-hmm. We don't care about the college aspect of it. So we're going in like free. Now ask me if 
my son is gonna go to school, he's 17 years old, do I want him to get good grades? The answer is yes. Simply because I want him to challenge himself that you can function in that structure. Just so you know, personally, because I remember doing that in school. I gave two fucks about a diploma or college, but I do remember my fifth year of high school, I decided to put my head down and go, okay, what the fuck is the big deal? Let me see if I can do this shit. So that way I don't walk out of this shit and think that I'm a fucking idiot and I was actually scared and that's why I didn't do well. So I made sure that my fifth year, and actually it was the it was my half of the fourth year and the entire fifth year where I put my head down and I was getting A's and B's and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it gave me a lot of confidence because I was like, okay, I'm not a fucking idiot. And you know, we're teenagers, we're insecure. Mm-hmm. We don't know. We have the whole universe telling us that if you don't go to school, you're an idiot. If you don't go to school, you're a loser. If you don't go to school, you won't have a future. And I'm not going to lie to you. Of course, that stuff was in my head. I was terrified. Right. We, when it comes to my oldest son, we are just like, want to put him in so he could kind of get into all the shits with the girls and the boys and just kind of like fill that out. And to be honest, I wish I would have done it a year earlier, meaning I wouldn't have asked him mm-hmm. last year. I just would have threw him in there and said, fuck it. Uh, so that's what we're doing this year. But he's a little bit more like, yeah, yeah, whatever. It's, uh, it's fine. I could do it. You know, but before it would be a no. So he's 17 years old now saying maybe, which maybe for a teenager (laughs) probably means yes. Yeah. Okay. That's what we're going to do this year in September, hopefully. So we have to get on that because, you know, we've been homeschooling him for so long. You know, his opinion has always been no. But but we've only asked as of late. But, you know, who the hell doesn't want to be home? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Who the hell doesn't want to be home? And also to set a kind of to to give some perspective on the structure of homeschooling. Homeschooling is a 24-hour thing. And it's a 365-day thing. There is no this time, that time. And I don't speak to many or any other parents who homeschool their kids. I don't know anybody. No groups or anything like that? No. I don't know anybody, right? I wouldn't be surprised if many people approach homeschooling the same way me and my wife do, despite the fact that we have never interacted with any other parents or learned from anybody else on how to do it but it's a 20 and what you learn when you homeschool your kids that it's 24 hours 365 so what does that mean that means that they're always learning and they're learning everything not yeah this thing or that thing they're learning everything what are we talking about business mortgage financing cooking repairs physical education social studies all and then all, and then all the typical stuff that we learned in school right growing right. up the, the science and, the, and all but it's all so organic it's not sit down 9 a.m wake up do this do that it's none of that it's yeah. it's we could be riding bike and stop somewhere and we're going to talk about that tree or we're going to see an interaction between a group of people or some people and then stop and have a conversation about that. And these are these things that later on, hopefully, are going to be instrumental in his life. These are things yeah. that he learned and they that they learned and picked up. And we're teaching so much that we it's just so normal for us. We just don't know what the difference is at this point. Yeah, I was having a discussion with my wife and I was I told her, I said, in, in junior high school, uh, six and uh, like fifth sixth grade mm-hmm. i told us that i i i i wish they they would bring back home economics mm. that's it may, may sound like a weird um statement but that's what made me comfortable with learning how to cook interesting because i did that the teacher that we had she was an older lady 
a lot of times she would just sit down and teach us like do that watch with your fingers and a knife and everything had us preteen or teen just playing with all these things uh mm. in the, the the school kitchen for that class and it, the and class is called home economics, home economics. Home and that's economics. what home economics yeah, is it, it's it, like it's like home 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 shit and really? teaching us how to cook <laughs> what to do we 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 made some some dishes i don't remember i do rem- don't the one thing i remember was yeah the class slicing up chocolate to do something wow. like a dessert Oh, and, man. and I told, I said, I wish I'm they had you, that. I said, I'm I wish you. they had that now. I never had anything like that. Yeah. And I, I loved cooking. I loved it. Can and you I, imagine? I'm so, I'm so comfortable with being in the kitchen and cooking for my family when my wife and I were dating because she's like, you cook? Wow. You don't just pick up the phone and order. I'm like, no. I'm, <laughs> you know, besides, I'm the, I'm the youngest of, of three. Mm. And my mom was like, you're either going to do or do not. So nice. if you want to learn, you'll learn and all that other shit. And I'm like, right. all right. And then with that in school, reinforcing it, I loved it. I freaking love it. Wow. I'm not afraid to, to pick up anything to it. learn. No, absolutely not. It. And I just keep, I kept learning more. Right. Hitting up YouTube, doing all these things, mm. picking up little things. And you see men or women right. who are chefs and, oh, yeah, you do this, you do that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I took to it. Let me ask you something then, Oscar, in that vein. So, um, that's one class that you gravitated to mm-hmm. were there others maybe there were but mo- i'm assuming that most of them you didn't gravitate to math is in my strong suit okay i did gravitate i am i'm still an intellectual but i gravitated to you know in slightly to political science but mm. also to uh science right the physical sciences mm. um health those type of things okay so the sciences more than math Ar- rg's the rg's the freaking numbers nerd she you know she's great with numbers mm-hmm. she does math with our kids but when it comes to science health referencing anything just general knowledge like mm-hmm. deep into it with details it's like no go talk to your father can you imagine you in middle school having your your curriculum curated mm. for you specifically tailored for you can you imagine where and of course i'm not going to hold it against the school system because it's so robust there's too many kids how can they narrow down every child and curate curriculum for each child but when you homeschool your kids Mm -hmm. you could curate for them but that's not necessarily a good thing if you don't have control so you want to curate stuff for your children and we wish we had stuff curated for us but then you also want to teach them how to learn yeah. stuff that is not curated for them. Yeah. So it doesn't matter whether you go to school or not. You're, you're going to have to learn stuff that you don't like learning. Yeah. But the way school does it, it makes us hate the fucking thing that they're yeah. stuffing down our throats. As a po- And again, I can't hold it against a system because it's so robust and they're dealing with so many factors. Children, parents, so on and so forth. Budget, all that stuff. But outdated curriculum come on in man. certain instances come yeah. on man that's so dangerous yeah but learning how to teach a child or anyone how to learn something that they don't want to learn and that means making it pa- palatable right right and that's one of the powers of homeschooling yes you you curate for them they like this they like painting they like drawing they like gym they like this but then okay then you have to learn business and yeah. financing and my kids don't know whether they don't or don't like that. We make it interesting. Right. You know why? Because it's relevant. We're buying a freaking house. You need to know about this. Yeah. You're eight years old. Sorry, you're in my case, we're buying a house now. My, my oldest is 17. The other one is 11. 
let's just talk about the youngest one because he would be the one least likely to be interested in something yeah, like that. I have an 11-year-old. I know how it goes. Right. They're interested. You know what they're interested in. Oh, yeah. But we found a way for our 11-year-old to be interested in financing, in business, in marketing, in mortgages because we're living it. Yeah. It's not something where we made you sit in front of a blackboard. You put the word mortgage on it on the freaking blackboard and then went and do a fucking tree fucking graph <laughs> mortgages lead to this and then you know and granted they don't even teach us mortgages in school but can uh, you imagine you're right yeah. can you imagine if they did teach us mortgage at 11 now my son has a good grasp and understanding of mortgages and fine he's ahead he's like way ahead of like you know, I'm, I'm going to speak for both of us. Then, then we've ever been when it came, we learned it when when we had to face it. Yeah. So okay, and even if he forgets it, he won't forget it. You know why? Because that stuff sits in our subconscious, just like the home economics yeah. in you. It's very right? easy to reabsorb. Absolutely. Right. Right. Exactly. So it sits in your head. It's subconscious. It's there, ready to to be ignited again or detonated. And when it's time for him to buy his house or buy a car or or get a loan, he has a general understanding about it. And there goes the beauty of homeschooling or curating an education, however you want to say it. Right. You know, I wish somebody would have put a camera in my head. Yeah. In middle school, the way you got home economics and you you were drawn to that, I wish somebody would have put a camera because I was born to do that. Yeah. It was in my genetics. My mom loves taking photos. And again, I'm not holding it against them, but I wish somebody would have done that. And there's no way for them to have known that. But um, But it's unfortunate. And that's that's why I love that I, you know, pat myself on the back or anything. But that's that's one of the reasons why I love doing this podcast. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people think having damage in the name, it just it, it references something negative. It's like, no, the point is, is that you may have suffered some quote unquote, some type of damage from that sure. being, um, you know, regretful that damn, why didn't I get some advantages to be who I am now, mm. but earlier, sure. But then you're taking what you felt kind of damaged you in a way and then learning from that and then moving it forward with your kids right and that's why i tell people it's we're not here to to deal with all the stuff that we may may or may not um regret Mm -hmm. which is something in passing i do it all the time right but i take all that and i don't look at my son as like oh you know you're, you're gonna learn when you get old no let's learn now Let's learn now. Every we, time. We, would, we were getting so exhausted when we were um, house hunting. <laughs> we would take the kids with us. Okay. And <laughs> he, they, <laughs> they barely had, they barely had a, a, a summer when we were taking them. And then, you know, they were like, Dad, what, hey. is, what is this all about? Of course, Max was um, six, but Brandon was, yeah, he was about six, seven. Brandon was about maybe what? Uh, nine ten mm-hmm. but he he's you know he they're both smart but he was very inquisitive about certain things You'd be surprised he's surprised what the they want to know yeah what they want to know with the math the numbers and he would hear us talk and everything yeah, and he man. was asking we would tell him i was like but then i had to be patient about it i had to stop and think because the one thing that came to me is how can i explain it to him that he can learn and not just his eyes gloss over yeah man yeah. And just so I can relate to him and I could see that that's one of the best things about homeschooling is mm-hmm. that you know your child. Yes. You know what they can take in quickly mm-hmm. and what takes a little more time sure. to kind of like get in there. And you learn how to teach. Right. Like you just said, you got to find a way to to 
to word this right to him. Mm -hmm. You don't deter him or derail him in this language that you're about to talk mortgages and financing and all this stuff. And, and so that's key right there. Absolutely. So you learn how to teach. I'm naturally good at that in general. So even before I had kids. Uh, so it's something that naturally uh, is in me. I talk a lot. You know? <laughs> I'm expressive. Um, I, I, you know, I have a, a all positives. Right. All right. It's something that it's just very natural. Um, and it's something that um, I think that is everybody's responsibility. Yeah. And you have to find it in yourself, in your own way, organically, sustainably, to find a way to talk to your kids and teach them everything. Mm -hmm. There should be nothing that is, quote unquote, boring or beyond them. Right. You just have to find a way to flip that for them. Hey, this is important. At the end of this rainbow, there's gold. Yeah. And that's an incentive. Okay, and and my 11 year old doesn't know what he is not or is supposed to know. He just knows everything he knows. Yeah. You know, so you could relate. You know, you know that when we're children, especially in our communities, there's stuff we're not supposed to know. Oh, well, that's none of your business. What are you? Oh, you're because they underestimate yeah. the capacity of our brain. What we can or can, what we can or can't take in. Oh, so but you know why? Because they don't want to explain it because they don't know how to explain yeah. it because it's because maybe they barely understand it. And they don't understand. I could be wrong. They could. They 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 don't understand that they could be sidelining a savant. Oh my god! You know. And and they don't realize that until later on. Like shit, I should have been. Maybe they'll, never on realize, this. maybe they'll never realize that, you know, but uh, yes, you're right. No, yeah. was, was all of this hard to start and set up? What were some of the hoops that you had to go through to, right. to set this all up and initiate it mm -hmm. for your first child, which of course it would have been easy, it, more easier for the second child yeah. coming along, but for the first child, gotcha. setting this all up, getting this all in motion. Tell us what, what, what was that like? Yeah. So for anyone listening to this podcast, um, the way I'm about to answer this might be a little bit controversial. Nobody listens. Nobody, nobody listens to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so relatively controversial, but the controversy aligns with the kind of person that I am. I'm mm -hmm. going to speak for myself because my wife is not here. The kind of person that I am. I'm a very rebellious individual, mm -hmm. and it's something that suited me very well up until this point. Right. So I say that to say this: I don't give a fuck about no fucking paperwork, no fucking test, no fucking board who has to look over my fucking kid. I understand why, if you homeschool your kids, why there needs to be an overlooker because they want to make sure that you're not fucking abusing your kids. You're not teaching them nothing and they're fucking going to come out stupid and incapable of working in society. I understand, but that's not me. So now they're I very can, strict like that? They're not very strict. Mm -hmm. And so they, that's that's a flaw in that system. So which DOE are you referring to that you had to set this up with? So, so just a reference. That's where my wife comes in. I'll give you, so, I'll give you the general information that I understand about it. Okay. So essentially, uh, what I remember is once you've decided that you want to homeschool, you let the school that he's a, that they're attending right. let them know that um they actually i believe that they help you with the process it's a very relatively simple process i don't remember getting a lot of feedback you have to fill out an application i believe with the doe department of education right i'm mm. assuming my my son was in public school and then a charter school at the end and then they designate a local school to you and the reason why they do that is because that you kind of report to them 
Mm, okay. So we were in the Bronx. It was a school across the street, literally across the street, and we reported to them. He never attended that school, right? But we reported to them, and um, and what that meant is that the way I understand it, every two years they have to take a state, a state exam, and so they would go to. And I remember him doing it once. He goes to that school and he takes the state exam, right? And I think it is important that they take the state exam because the state exam only measures reading, writing, and math. Why? Because they're essentials to be a well-articulated, functioning human being in America, right? History is relative. Right. Science is relative. Religion is relative. It's all about what, what, how and what you want to learn. But math is math. Reading is reading and writing is writing. You can't get past that. You have to teach that and learn that the same way that everybody else learns and teach that. Otherwise, you're not going to be an adequate adult right. when, when it's time when time comes for you to be in, the, in, in society. So th- that's the only thing they, they, the exam is about, reading, writing, and math. Nothing else. Every two years, they're supposed to take that state exam. I think you have the choice of taking it every year if you want, just if you want to measure your kid against everyone else, no. so on and so forth. And you're supposed to send in reports about your curriculum, about what you're teaching them. And, and it's a very general report, something you write out, and you say, well, we're learning about this. If you're teaching them religion or you're teaching them science, or math, whatever you're teaching them, you kind of you're supposed to report in like every quarter or something like that. Right. But of course, what happens is that we just kind of fucking we did it. My wife did it for some time. We stopped doing it a long time ago, and nobody came knocking on my door. Nobody sent a letter to my door. Really? Nobody placed a phone call, and that's actually not a good thing. Luckily, we're responsible people, and we we care about our kids. <laughs> but I don't know if you know where I'm going. But there yeah. could be parents who are. Pulling their kids out of homeschool, out of school, and homeschooling them, yeah. and then doing wild, crazy things with their kids. Because what happens, Oscar, when your kid goes to school? If your kid comes to school with a black guy, you know it's it catches, yes. yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay, so so when you send your kids to school, it actually sometimes helps in the sense that if you are an abusive parent, or if you're a parent who smokes and drinks, or you know. An outsider can kind of get some insight from the child, whether it's how they're acting, the child, or or even physically, right? Like if they have, we've all heard, seen it on TV, or maybe known somebody who came to school with a black and blue or or a a beat up eye or something like that, right? Yeah. And obviously it's a sign of abuse at home. It's unfortunate. And so schools filter that stuff out. You know, it's good in that way, right? Yeah. Uh, But in homeschooling, I mean, these people, I could be doing everything to my son that's bad under the sun and they were not on top of us but me being a rebellious person i didn't care in regards to me because i'm like i know we're good and i don't need you guys in my business i don't need you guys calling me writing me letters and so i and my wife was the one who did all that stuff because i give two fucks it's my child i dare you come to my door and i can say you're gonna take my son away because i didn't write a fucking report to you or whatever because yeah. I'm like what are you going to do take him away because that's the only thing that's going to matter to me you're going to take my son away and you're, you're, I mean I'm going I'm to go down fighting my wife took care of most of that stuff we didn't have to do that for long uh, because then we just kind of stopped doing it so now the 11 year old forget it he, he's not even in the system bro really? so let's talk there <laughs> okay and, um, and I'm okay with it vaccinations my 11-year-old has the minimum vaccinations because, you know, uh, schools are a bottleneck for vaccinations. I'm not saying that that's what they will build, but you need every year you need vaccinations in order to attend whatever school you're going to go to. So it's a way to, you know, it's just a, a convenient system to, okay, this is how we make sure that everyone in America is vaccinated. Most people go to public school or some, so, some sort of school that requires 
you know, vaccinations, right? Right. So my 11-year-old has the minimal vaccinations. I don't even know what he has or does not. You know? And so, again, like I like I said, the rebellious aspect of me, right. this is, this is you know, it fits perfectly with me, you know. <laughs> Luckily, we're responsible parents. We're good. You know, no, we're that's also... That's what matters. That's what matters. And we're learning. And, of course, um, if homeschool becomes a standard where there's a lot of people doing it, then I know that there'll be systems in place that'll be more, you know, more ironclad to make sure that yeah kids are not being abused at home and stuff like that because so little people do it people like us slip through the cracks and but if you if you're responsible enough in today's day and age to homeschool your kids you probably care about them yeah <laughs> you don't and kids with people who don't care about the kids don't want them around they want them in school yeah because they're fucking bothersome you know they're two people who don't care about them my kids are not bothered to me because i love my kids now this had to have some growing pains what were some yeah. that were on either side from the yeah. you know the teacher parent sure. to the child student sure from that Man. dynamic what yeah. were the what were the gems that you pulled from overcoming these pains man something as simple as teaching my son the clock 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, blah, blah, blah. Analog, baby. Analog, there you go, analog. <laughs> um, um, I remember, so this was very early on, before I had learned my style of teaching my son. Mm-hmm. We kind of did the structured thing where I would, you know, I would stay home and I would tell my son, okay, today we're going to learn the analog clock. Man, <laughs> I sucked. And I got so really? frustrated. Yeah. Yes, because... I went in structured instead of organically. Mm. Right now, I know that I could teach my son any anything in passing. It doesn't have to be sit down. There goes the clock. Do you know what? Okay, if the, if, the, if this hand is here, this hand. And I remember getting so frustrated, and and unfortunately, I got frustrated with him. But it wasn't his fault. Right. It was that I was a bad teacher in that particular example. Because, and I remember it was very early on because I didn't know how this homeschool stuff would work even though i manifested it i was still sitting there going "Mm, yeah i don't know i don't know what i'm gonna do like what does this you know and and over time i did we did develop styles and they were more organic and so on and so forth and again we didn't have any guidance we didn't have any examples you know to teach us on how to do this so um, i remember getting so frustrated at him and he i mean if i would have continued like that my son would have suffered so much because i was frustrated and now I could imagine how a teacher, <laughs> yeah, you know, thirty kids, yeah, dealing with stuff like that. I'm dealing with my my son, one child, and he's getting it wrong, and I'm so frustrated. And it was not his fault. It is it is not his fault? And I'm sure my son knows the analog clock today, and I don't even remember teaching it to him. <laughs> and and I, there's stuff that my 11 year old knows, and I go, babe, I don't remember teaching this to him. And it be, I think it's because it's an organic thing. They're yeah. picking it up from because we're it's everywhere in our environment, and we we've. We've taught our kids how to learn. You know, you're going to hear me say that a lot. It sounds weird, but you have to learn how to learn. And you have to learn how to teach. I agree. You have to learn how to read. And by, by learning how to read, it doesn't mean that you know how to read. It means that you need to learn how to enjoy reading so you can read. Right. Because you could read all you want, but if you don't know how to enjoy reading, you won't ever read. And reading is important. Yeah. And so that... That's one. That was one of the. Um, I forgot how you phrase it. You phrase it very well, but it's it's one of those, those setbacks in the beginning. And but of course it happened early, and it makes sense, right? So mm-hmm. I'm I'm inexperienced, and we don't know what we're doing, and I feel real bad about that uh, because 
and it was just a fucking analog clock luckily it didn't go any more than that i you know i'm a quick learner and i'm like okay claudia we can't do this you can't be frustrated at your child because he's not getting something right away so on and so forth and then it was it was you know from there on and i don't remember any more instances of that anymore. and then you notice that face that blank stare that man you're reminding you know, me i feel so bad i feel no, so bad it's it i i i'm in the same boat because it, it was very hard for me a lot in the beginning when they would come with the homework and Man. they would learn in school but then we you know you there to reinforce it with the homework yeah there you go and mind you if like i wish they knew like look you're dealing with a parent that was early on diagnosed with what do you call that i just had it in my head mm. uh that you see shit backwards dyslexic uh, dyslexic yeah and you're speaking of yourself yeah i'm okay. speaking of myself so i i'm totally with you where it's like you have to learn how to teach them you have to you have to learn yeah. yourself to make sure that they're learning what you're teaching them yeah, and how i see things is very weird you know mm -hmm. slightly ocd sure. dyslexic so mm -hmm. imagine somebody who sees things in a weird way but always has things structured in a sort of way that it has to be a certain way so you're basically i'm basically putting the blocks in order but upside down and backwards sure. so i got to learn how to decipher that yeah. and then do that within myself and then mm. to try and teach another child who's not dealing with that sure so it's it's one of the things where one of my my french teacher in high school mm. he would say as a mr hollywood how's your I, french by the way all I could do is one through ten. <laughs> you just made a point. <laughs> That's you just it. made my point. Go on. <laughs> but he, the only reason why is, um, I, I didn't, I didn't gravitate so towards it. Later on, I wish I did. Sure. It, it, but I had a great teacher. Okay. That that was that was the link that was there that I can say that he was an amazing teacher. He was funny, mm. and he made learning it. If I had the chance, if I wanted to, I could have actually did something mm -hmm. in that vein. But he. I always refer to him saying that he's like, he's like, guys, think of it this way. If you're speaking to somebody in any language, mm -hmm. you're in, let's say English and Spanish, your English is first, you learned your Spanish. You're speaking to somebody who knows Spanish, but they learned their English. So he's like, think of the dynamic. Mm. You have to take your English, translate it in your head to Spanish, and then speak it. They have to hear that Spanish mm. translated into English, and they can respond back to you in English while you respond while you're t talking to them in Spanish. So he's like, think of the dynamic that's happening there. Think of all the of all the nooks and crannies that are and the gears that are turning within both your heads mm -hmm. just to have a simple conversation. And everybody was like, wow. But he, he his his lessons were more receptive. French is not easy to learn. It's not. It's not. But yeah. his his lessons were more receptive because of the way he taught his style. He had mm. a lot of fun. I had a math teacher that right now, if the dude taught the way he taught, was he math? I think he was math. Mm. He was a dirty motherfucker, but funny. <laughs> It's like comedians. They could be. They could be such the raunchiest, dirtiest, normal people, bastards. But normal if they're people. funny, sure, they can get away with it. Now the French, your French teacher, how long was that? A year or a semester? Uh, this high school is a semester. So imagine you would have had him for much longer. You only had him for months, three, yeah. four months. To, I'm sure some people could learn French in four months. I guess if you're going to France and you have to, you freaking learn it in four months. There's no reason for you to learn French. But imagine you had it for a year or two. 
if 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 he or if he one. if he was if that was an elective in college, <laughs> and I had him as a teacher, I would have stuck mm. with it. I would have yeah. stuck with it, and I would have probably been having fucking summers in France and trying Look to learn that. the language <laughs> and and going fucking balls out. Funny, you you know you mentioned something earlier that I wanted to touch on, which is very interesting, which is something we experienced, and I know that all parents experience, mm. and it's that you already homeschool your kids. Uh, and so, and and, and and honestly, even if your kids go to school, you should, everybody should be homeschooling their kids. And what does that mean? That means that although they went to school mm. that day, whatever, nine, two, three, or whatever, whatever, they come home, you still, like you said earlier, reinforce yeah. whatever they had learned via homework, but it doesn't have to be homework, by the way, uh, via homework, because that's how you had mentioned it. And that's frustrating, too, because you come from work. Yeah. Your wife comes from work. You guys are now decompressing from work. Then there's food, what we're going to eat. And whatever else is thrown on top of us. Getting the baby from daycare. On a daily, that travel, all that. Oh, and, then yeah. you're, and then you're tired. Oh, yeah. And then your kids have questions about math, reading, writing a story, an essay. Oh, my God. It's hard. It's hard to do. But what we found is that before my son went to homeschool, we were... De, de, I don't know what I'm saying, detangling everything he had learned that day yeah. at school and kind of being like, okay, so this is what they meant or this is how you should take this. And we cared a lot about his education, so we, we, we had the patience to do it, both right. of us. And so we, we were essentially homeschooling him before we decided to pull him out of school. Right. Because we care about his education and we, don't, we didn't feel that what he was learning in school was enough. Right. Again, not to blame the system, but it's impossible for them to have efficiently teach him in six hours and have it stick. Right. That's why they pound it in your head over and over and over again. Then they make you fucking do homework. Then they fucking quiz you. Yeah. And then they fucking test you. Then they RCT your ass. And then they SAT your ass. Yeah. Over and over again about the same goddamn thing. You feel me? We, when you come home, I mean, you have three children, man. And they're all, I mean, at least two of them are in school. It's not easy, but we want them to be better than us and be smart and, 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 you know. Uh, But I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that because it's something that even if you don't have the ability to do because you have a nine to five or whatever's holding you back or that just, it's all about time. If you don't have the time, then um, you could still be curating their stuff from home after and my kids don't really differentiate i don't know how to say this word i'm horrible with differentiate put that (laughs) when you edit take that word and put it over mine it'll be hilarious but um what a weekend is yeah versus a weekday and you know we've been conditioned to look forward to weekends because we're going through this grind yeah. of Monday through Friday in school, and then when we become adults, it then transfers over to work, yeah. where work is from Monday to Friday, and then we look forward to that weekend. So my kids don't have that notion. They don't. They and that's great that they don't have that notion. So for them, there is no looking forward to Saturday or, or Friday. Friday, we always look forward to Friday, right? Look forward to Friday, Saturday, or Sunday because they're always learning. And there's always something that they're engaging in. Right. Something unique and interesting that they're engaging in. And so um, there isn't that anxiety that either Friday is coming or Sunday is ending. Yeah. You know, there isn't none of that stuff. You you can curate for your child anything and any anywhere at any time you want them to learn. You could take a kid to a birthday party. Yeah. And if you could teach them one thing at that birthday party, 
You've done a great job. I always subscribe to what you said was basically like it's always a learning thing. Like we, you don't have a set schedule to mm-hmm. homeschool them. Everything is a learning and teachable moment. Yes. And I always subscribe to that because, but it's always, where do you have them? Is it conducive to their, to their intelligence? Because when we, when we started in the charter school in the Bronx that they went to mm-hmm. right now, it really, it, when we took them out, it, it was falling off. It was, it, I, I was so close to one of the staff there that i would tell him i would ask him like how 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 are things Mm. and he'll look at me he's like he just give me this face i'm like i get it i get it Mm. and they knew we they they knew we moved and i said look we you know we're looking to pull them out pretty soon and he's Mm. like yeah good idea (laughs) and i i wish i could say his name because i think he's still there and i don't want to i don't want to get him in trouble but Mm. when we started there (laughs) <laughs> it was it was amazing and the charter school in the Bronx uh, right. uh, South Bronx classical okay uh, brand new when the school was brand new when you had kind of yeah yeah same and thing with ours they when we started there was because it was my firstborn we spoke to the the one of the head guys there his name was um mr. Will Wallace mm-hmm. amazing dude mm. he left after a couple of years but when we were considering putting him in there, and he had a good chance of getting in there. I basically choked up at describing to him. I said, look, you know, he's a smart kid. I love him as all parents do love their children mm. more than not. But explaining to him, like, I want I want the best for him. Mm. Him, his actions, his growing and learning and everything showed us he's a, he's a smart individual. Mm. And we wanted to foster that. Sure. And I'm telling him this. He's looking me dead in my eye, and I'm just like choking up. And he's like, he's like, he's like, Miss Luna, I get it. We're we're gonna we're gonna do the best we can for him. This is a great school. At that time, I don't know what it is now, but it was it was that way for a couple of years. Mm. The school on the DOE rating scale from one to ten was like a two to three. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. But that charter school <clears throat> at that time when we got our son into it for uh, pre-K, I believe, was a nine to ten. Mm. and they really did it but after a while with people leaving certain things i'm not too familiar with the with the politics but to us firsthand Mm. uh, looking at it it started declining and luckily we were able to get our children into a very good school up here sure in yonkers they're doing well and one thing i wanted to mention when you're talking to other, uh, well, like you would talk to the parents or mm-hmm. what well, you talk the, as a parent talking to the teachers and you want the best for your children. And mm-hmm. some parents just would just say, hey, just go or whatever. I, I would sit and talk to the teachers and it was to the point of if this child is learning and excelling in a certain spot, mm-hmm. but they have to learn all of these things broadly, that's just, it, it does a disservice. And mm. that's one of the questions that I always ask the teachers. Mm. I said, you have a smart individual here. Yeah. If he's excelling, do you recognize that? And do you foster it? Mm. And they would look at me like, okay, he's that dude. Okay. I said, I'm not playing. He's okay. a smart kid. You know, a lot, you know, parents, they'll be like, oh my God, he's, he's, he's the most wonderful kid. But he's a fucking monster. Oh my God. He's, he's amazing. He's, but he's lazy. He's an athlete. Yeah, he runs around the house. That's not a. That's not the same, you know, and all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the reality that not a parent would admit, but it happens. Mm-hmm. It is the way it is. He's a smart individual. I, you know, there's other things that 
he needs to bring it up on. But that as a parent, that's my business. Right. Intelligent, it, with his intelligence, and he's in that school, I asked him, if you see him doing amazingly, if you see him beyond his reading capabilities, do you foster that? She's like, do you want me to? That, Absolutely. And she, the, he he <coughs> got one of the, he got one of the teachers that a lot of students don't like. Mm. And only because she's very hard-nosed. Sure. She, she has a lot of boys. Mm. She told us she shot... <laughs> She shot straight from her lips and says, I don't play around. Mm. I give a lot of work. If I know that they can handle it, I'll give them even more. Got it. And I said, he can handle it and we'll work with you. We just need a little give and take. Okay. And she understood that. And it was mid, it was mid semester, it was mid school year. So they had that adjustment period. They weren't doing, really doing too well, mm. but once they got to it, they really got to it. And my eight-year-old Max, he was, he same thing, mm. you know. He's he's the fucking little firecracker. So of course you get those calls, this and that. <laughs> well, the one thing that surprised us was, you know, like you saw the the artwork that he did for yeah, for my okay. wife that we have on the wall. He's he's the artist, mm -hmm. you know. He's the 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 dancer, which we got to get him back into. But <laughs> he's um he's just like my wife, and same thing with. Dominican forcefulness. Oof, my God. The, yeah. the, 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 the force <laughs> of nature he can become. Wow. And what surprised us was he, he was giving lip to his art teacher. Mm. Like, what the hell's the matter with you? Okay. You love art. Why would you disrespect the art teacher? I don't know. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe there's more to it than that, right? He's... No, we, we, we got the details. Okay. We settled it. And, yeah. you know, he he's... he's He's testing the waters, sure. as all kids would. There you go. As all kids would. We're, we're, not, we're not blind to that. You know, now things are all good. Yeah. It's one thing that we reinforce in the teachers, and we, we make ourselves known. Yeah. RG and I, we make ourselves known when it's their teachers. Like, yeah, we're right here. We're right here. Here's our numbers. You know, here's all our information. Right. Anything happens, you let us know. We're not, this isn't state-sponsored daycare. We don't treat it like that. Right. And Many people do that, which is very, very, yeah. which is very sad. Yeah, and you shouldn't. It's regardless of how tired you should be, if you care <laughs> enough that nothing should happen to them in a bad way physically. If a lot of people would have the opportunity to do that for them in an educational sense, it would be a little bit better. But I get that people have their own situations. That that's not. I don't ignore that. Right. Something you said reminded me of um, one of the tipping points you had access earlier mm -hmm. of um, of ultimately homeschooling my son. Right. Um, and one of them was that we had put him in a charter school in East Harlem. And I think the school was called East Harlem Academy. I don't know if they're still around, but they were brand new. So when he, he was the inaugural class right. of that school, uh, he only did one year there. And that's when we pulled him out. He third I believe it was third or fourth grade I'm most likely third grade my son never had any issues in school in any capacity right and but what worried me about that particular school was how the other kids were doing right and that was my issue and I would bring it up to the faculty there and they would either ignore me or push back a little yeah they weren't too receptive of help and maybe I was a little bit too arrogant in my approach <laughs> or i don't know i could come off a certain way sometimes but i also like to believe that it doesn't matter what the what or how the fuck i said it 
yeah. fucking take it and do something with this shit and get it done, you know. So there was just a lot of stuff. And look, maybe it was growing pains for the charter school, right? Whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the end of the day, it's our son and it's his environment. And we are very territorial. We happen to be very territorial parents. Yeah. Uh, and by territorial, I mean his mind, right? There's stuff that could happen in the mind that is very difficult uh, to get out, right? Yeah. And so it, it could be anything from being touched in school. Mm -hmm. And you don't remember that until you're 35. Yeah. That's when recessed memory comes. Oh, shit, I was touched. Didn't even realize. I, I have to act. I, I don't believe I've ever been touched. But I have to ask myself, Claudio, have everybody has been touched? Have you ever been touched, Claudio? Think. Mm -hmm. Think. Go back to school. Maybe there was a teacher that maybe you thought that this was normal and it wasn't. And think, think. And, you know, I don't, I don't have that recessed memory. And it's stuff like that that we're very territorial about, about strangers being around our kids. Yeah. It's unfortunate because we don't live in a village. It's yeah. not a village. And, you know, so there was a lot of stuff with that school and it, it and, and that school represented all schools for us uh at the end of the day you have young adults who are teaching your kids who have their own lives have their own insecurities have their own issues mm -hmm. have their own vices and then they come to school and teach your kids however they you're, they're gonna teach your kids right however they feel that day you know they're gonna teach tw in this case they, they didn't have 30 kids like when me and you were younger yeah uh but it's probably between 15 and 20 which is still a lot of kids to fucking deal with. It's a lot of personality. Yeah, man. A lot of stuff. You got the genius, and then you got the guy who's lagging behind, or the girl who's lagging behind, right? So you have the whole dynamic in there, and the teacher has to deal with that. It's a challenge, like you said. So it was us watching the faculty deal with this ethnic school, which consisted of probably 99% black and Hispanic kids. And guess what, Oscar? The, 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 the Spanish teacher was white. Mm-hmm. The principal was Cuban. My son's teacher was white. The assistant was white. They're from Boston and shit. Some of these people are from Boston. And then you come into East Harlem. You don't know what the fuck you're dealing with. And guess what? And this is these are some of the things that I told the, uh, the faculty in a letter and in person. You guys aren't dealing with these kids. You're dealing with their parents. Yeah. It ain't the kids you're dealing with. Kids are easy. Yeah. You tell them to do something, they do. You teach them something, you teach them correctly, they do it. You you want to mold them, you mold them. You want to clay, they're clay. Yeah. Whatever you want. They're super easy. You can teach them to be very bad. You can teach them to be very good. Whatever you want. This is the impressionable state of their life. Yeah. And, you know, I remember I did a video one day for the school. I volunteered myself. They had a play, and I showed up with my professional camera, and I did a beautiful video, and I sent it to the. And I remember looking at that video and going, these kids are so beautiful every single one of them mm -hmm. but i also looked at that video and said most of these kids are going to end up damaged and it's unfortunate yeah but they're so beautiful right now because they're innocent they're untouched you know they haven't been hurt but it's going to happen and it probably has happened already right they're yeah. all about my son's age now 17 so and 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 it's these these this this faculty's responsibility to 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 train the parents find a way to manifest that to to deal with the parents you, you're yeah. the, you're in an urban ethnic area you're in the hood uh you're from boston you don't know shit about this we could tell by the way you talk you can yeah. tell by the way you interact with me or uh, and i i was probably the most articulate parent and i, I could have been their biggest help but they were too insecure to allow me to help them because they think that you know it's gonna look bad on them if a parent knows more than they do about what the fuck they're doing which i did 
So there was no olive branch of trying no. to understand the dynamic of, okay, with like how you said, the, some of the parents, it would take them a while to, they're not as dynamic as we would like them to be, but everybody can adjust, which is sure. fine, sure. but there has to be an effort on both sides. Yeah. And that's very hard, especially when someone doesn't like, oh, I just want to deal with your kids. Yeah. They don't talk to me that way, but like. Yeah. Oh, you got you got a lot to learn about dealing with, you know, the parent of a kid. Then all you just want to deal with the kid. It doesn't yeah. work that way. Hey, let me bring up one more point to add on to that. We made it a point to to attend every single field trip that the school had. Mm-hmm. Either one or both of us would be present during the field trip. So we would never l- let our son go on a field trip with his school if we weren't there. Right. And. We would, and we've been to like four or five field trips. So I'm gonna tell you one example, but this goes for all of them. So we would go to the Museum of Natural History, which I so happen to have been a member of. Mm. I'm a, I self-educate myself since I dropped out of college. I love any kind of education, learning, history. I learned how to learn after college. Right. I didn't know how to learn before college, or even all the way before my whole life. I learned how to learn after college. So I had made myself a member of the Museum of Natural History. In fact, sorry, we went to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, which I wasn't a member of. I was a member of the Museum of Natural History, but I also visited the Metropolitan Museum often, and I would go by myself and learn blah, blah, blah. So they got the right fucking parent to walk in that place with their fucking kids. (laughs) But guess what happened, Oscar, when we went to to this this trip? The, The teachers did nothing. They're just walking around with the kids, letting them see shit. There's never this stop here. The significance of this thing historically, what is this, what is that, what is this. The Metropolitan Museum has a bunch of stuff. And for those who don't know, the Metropolitan Museum of Art is in Manhattan, down there somewhere in Manhattan, Fifth Avenue. Google it. Yeah, in the 50s somewhere. <laughs> they could Google it. But, but so me and, me and my wife, and specifically me, would take it upon myself to stop the class and go, bam, let's learn about this right here. And we took the fucking field trip over. And the teachers let us do it, too. They probably loved it. That's, But that's crazy. <laughs> they let me do that shit. They took us to the Botanical Garden. The Botanical Gardens are incredible. These fucking teachers are just taking the kids. And, letting, and I'm like, yo, pause. This fucking tree right here was here when the Native Americans were here. Yeah. Chillax. Like, this tree right here. Let's get this. this put things into perspective. Yeah. Right. Okay, so it's stuff like that, you know, circling back to the beginning when you had asked me some of these tipping points, these is stuff like this, or we're like, yeah, we kind of, we weren't insecure about our kids and the teachers imposing themselves on our kids because we will homeschool them when they would get home anyway. Yeah. But we were like, yeah, we just need to not be in that system and get the fuck out of there. That shit is whack for us. We out of here. That was something that, you know, that that was it. We were like, yeah, we're done with them. I wrote them like probably two letters in in that year and they didn't want to hear it. Mm. Maybe I was a little bit overbearing for them. No, for the for the kids, does in your opinion, does Mm. does this reduce the chance of them making more friends, and does you know does it bother them, or or is it even a factor? It's a factor, and I'm learning it now. Okay. Okay. It does reduce. It does reduce it. So it is a parent's responsibility to introduce that factor. For their children there's nothing like school as a social forum there's no place yeah like school that serves as a social forum we're talking about all types of kids with all types of experiences multiple races multiple stories it's a it's it's great and it's bad 
<laughs> where does your child fall in? Are they the bullied? Yeah. Are they the bully? Are they in the middle? Are they the cool kid? Are they not the cool kid? It's not a. It's not something that I factored into my decision. But now that my son is older, I'm not saying that I wouldn't have homeschooled them. But um, again, like I said earlier, I probably would have put them in high school for the hell of it a little bit earlier than this last final year that we're gonna yeah. potentially try and do at least two, three years, and just for the hell of it, like whatever. But it does it now. I justify it because they have cousins and so on and so forth. The great thing about living in the Bronx, we live in Connecticut now, New Haven, Connecticut, so we don't know anybody up there. Right. And I'm, I'm also not as comfortable up there as I was in the Bronx when I lived in the Bronx. I, I you know, I was telling my wife the other day, I do so well in like the hood. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I, I'm never afraid. I'm, I get it, it's comfortable. Yeah, yeah. you know, it, <laughs> I'm, I know my way around the hood. You know, my wife is, you know, obviously women are gonna feel differently about the hood because it's a dangerous place. And and for me, I'm like, I don't consider it dangerous. I mean, we're talking about, I played basketball in the hood my whole life. These, these are places where you're gonna find problems with guys, not kids, guys. You know, you could get violence and stuff like that. And yeah. you don't know your way around, know how to talk to people, know how to get yourself out of trouble. I've done that my entire life. So the hood for me, you know, as long as you're not banging the drug dealer's girlfriend or fucking with his money, you're not going to get shot at. Or you're, or don't stand yeah. next to the guy who's going to get shot at. Exactly. It's unfortunate. It's yeah. a joke that I make. But, it, if hey, you don't want to get shot in the hood. These are the things you don't do. So for me, it's like <laughs> I'm not that type of guy anyway. I'm not hanging out with the drug dealers. I mean, I play basketball with them, but I wasn't hanging with them, whatever. One but, thing, one thing I... I'm sorry to cut you off, but it's funny with what you say about that. With and what I'm starting to to teach my kids now, and I don't know if you, if you teach your oldest mm-hmm. is even like I, I I work for the city and we have an autistic gentleman that works with us. Mm-hmm. I would talk to him, let him know like he would get frustrated because the social issues that he has mm-hmm. and dealing with the people that work there. Sure. And it's a different dynamic. I'm not going to get too in the weeds to it. But one of the times I was talking to him, I actually told him multiple times. And I told him, I said, and what I'm telling my kids too is read the temperature of the room. Yes. And it's like he he looks at me. And I will go into detail with him about it and everything. And I'll tell my kids. And I tell them, it was like just simple as simple as fuck is just read the temperature in the room. Yes, not that, not that, uh, not looking at this and not, and just to cover bit, not the actual fucking temperature. Sure. Just, Understood. <laughs> you know, for the, for the kids, you know, for my youngest and sure. I tell them, let's just see who you're dealing with. Yes. You know, understand the life cues. Or That's the, life or exactly. Yeah. It's, you walk into something. Yes. It don't smell right. You're doing it right, Oscar. You know, you keep your mouth right. shut, remove yourself from the situation or whatever and just end with just, guys read the temperature of the room it matters and we learned that somehow and and it got me out of a lot, a lot out of a lot of situations me too. and the reason why i brought up the hood and my my comfortability in it was because when we first pulled out my son from school i was in the hood playing basketball and interacting with the guys from the neighborhood on a daily basis mm-hmm. so we i would go downstairs i had a routine where the kids would wake up you know I would give some work for my son to do. I would do my photography work on my computer. I was I was learning photography at the time. Mm-hmm. And then around 5 o'clock, I would go downstairs and play basketball. Because that's when all the guys would come home from work. And then I would play basketball for like three hours. Right. And what that meant, that, that all their kids were in the playground. 
And so they he got a lot of early socialization during that time. Right. Unfortunately, we lost that when we moved to New Haven in Connecticut. And and so that was I was my justification right there. It's like, yo, but I got I got the playground downstairs. And what we had to do was come downstairs, go to the corner, go down further, and the playground was right there, the basketball. And there was trouble there, which is what I liked. Mm. Observe, like you said, feel the temperature. You know, observe what's happening. Get ahead of it. Be mm-hmm. preemptive. Mm-hmm. See, you know, uh, um, uh, be ahead of the curve. So that way you could witness something, learn from it, but not be the situation. Yeah. You understand? Get caught so up in it, all he, they never did get caught up in some bullshit. You know, there's always, you know, the great things that were happening was that a kid would take their toy and then he would have to go get it back. And these are the things that that, that school is great for is that they get to see where they are in that hierarchy. Yeah. You know, where do you lie? Are you the kid to go get your shit back? Are you the one to cry to dad? Mm-hmm. Are you the one to be scared and then muster up the strength and then go do it? You know, who are you? And then those things there, you know, that's where you get to learn that about yourself. You know, and there are instances, there are stories that I have where you get to see their character. Uh, but we haven't had that for a while because of where we live now. Right. Uh, so we were lucky to have had that. And, and the hood helped me with that because the same kids that they would have went to school with were the same kids that were down there in the in the playground. And they were having very similar interactions with these kids. And that's what you want. You just want to see where they lay in society. Like, who are you? Who are you? And so... You know, they don't, my, you know, ask me, do my kids have friends? They don't have any friends. <laughs> they, they don't have any friends right now. Okay. Uh, they have cousins. They, they communicate in, in multiple facets. We go visit cousins. They talk to them on Discord or via text or and so on and so forth. Um, and again, and that's one of the reasons why we're going to put our 17-year-old in his last year of high school, just so he could get kind of get in there and just get in there with a bunch of kids. And when I just had this conversation with my brother not too long ago because I went to visit him. He lives up in Ithaca. You know, him and his wife, they put some things into perspective. Now, granted, I was over, we, we are always thinking about my son and his interaction with other people, but I hadn't thought about it in a while. And so then I was like, yeah, you know what? This kid is about to be 18 and we're high school, a good year of high school would be good for him. Yeah. And again, they, you know, they, you know, there goes the dynamics of homeschooling. There are no rules. There is, it's whatever tools you have, you use them. And, sc- and in our case, a year of high school is a tool for us in our homeschooling curriculum. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> How funny. Maybe you could blow his mind and say, look, we're going to do a rum springer for you. A what? You never heard of that? What is that? A rum springer? You never heard rum of that? Rum springer. Rum, yeah, I don't know if it's that hard with the... <laughs> With with the syllable, it's where the Amish let their kids. I don't know if it's their kids or when they're teenagers. I believe I'm not too sure. It's for like maybe a year or a certain period of time. Mm. They can go out into the world, experience, Ah. experience as the world as it is outside of their environment. That's important for them. Yeah, they get to appreciate what they got back at home. maybe maybe or the- uh, i'm not too sure i'm not well versed to it i just know okay. is that they give them some time it's a sort of coming to america That's showing so your great. wild your royal oats type that of deal is so great you know they they would let them go for a while got out into it. the world experience everything mm. but when you come back it's back to that horse and buggy interesting i believe so and that if, exposure is good that, that, that contrast. Yeah. So it's like, oh, you see what they're dealing with, but then you come back to mm. the simple life. I, I don't know what all types of facets of how they want to teach them doing that. Interesting. So, but it was interesting at the time when I was learning. I was Got like, it. oh, wow, they just let them go and then 
and then they eventually come back. You ever heard of a show called The Alaska, The Last Frontier? Uh, Discovery Channel. I love this probably. show. So real quick to point out something that you had just said, which proves to me that this is something that happens in societies and means if it also validates what I'm doing, which is great, makes me feel good. In America's Last Frontier is about a family who live on a homestead in Alaska, mm-hmm. and they've been there for generations. Yeah. And they've been raising their kids and grandkids and great-grandkids, and their great-grandkids are like 18, 19 years old. Yeah. You know, there's like all these um, generations all living on this homestead where they build a home here. That family's there. They live in this nice little village, and they all do, they're all self-sustainable they can go to town and get the stuff that they need. And what you learn when you're watching the show, I mean, there's probably like 11 or 12 seasons of the show. I love the show. Uh, and it's in Alaska. But exactly what you just said they do, where they would send their kids away, away from the homestead to go to the States mm-hmm. to experience that life. And most of the time, you see, oh, this kid, he's coming back from the States, the lower. Uh, it's, like it's, a, it's a little too much for me. I gotta yeah, come back. <laughs> yeah. But, but nonetheless, it must be a great experience. You have a, a taste of both. Yeah. You know? But, but, but the great thing is that they end up coming back home and wanting to be home and contributing to the homestead. And like you said, so, you know, the, it's like it can go either way. Hey, you could want to stay. By the way, Jewel, you know the singer Jewel? Yeah. That's her family. I think I saw her in an interview. That's her family. Who and she, she was the child who oh, didn't she, come back. She was on, um, I think, uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, and I caught that one, and she was talking about that. Yes. She was talking about her family yes. and that they were so, it, it was a great upbringing yes. because it was very intimate in sort of a way. Yes. And so, yeah. I, 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 yes. So that's her family, but I didn't know that until like season fucking nine. So it's not about her. Yeah. You just later learned that her fucking... Jules, this is Jules' family. Yeah. And, um, and you know, she still lives in the lower 48. And she is an American. And she, she, she's a musician. She's in the industry. And she brings her child back to the homestead to experience her. Mm. Fa- but she remained. You understand? Like, yeah. she made that decision. She became a successful musician. But she remained. She, she comes back to visit. But she didn't come back for good. So. Yeah. It, it works either way. Like, hey, you decide you got to taste the homestead, but you... So it's, it's great she, that you brought yeah, that up. Yeah, because she said she lived with her father. Yeah, yeah I, I kind of remember this because it was, it was a pretty good um, episode. She got into it, mm. how she lived with her father. She dealt with the stuff with her mother. Yeah. and But she was really focused on that. It was a... Uh, an amazing life to live. Yeah, but yeah. She, I mean, you got to fish, you yeah. got to hunt. It's beautiful. It's my dream. Get your own water live. by the river. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's my dream to live like that. It's interesting that you had mentioned the, the way that the Amish do it, and then I want to do it with my son in this very small way. But now that I know that this is like a thing, maybe I'll fucking extend it. Like, you know, hey, you go out there, go to the world, and come it's, back. It's see a good learning think. experience. Actually, he could then start learning about the Amish or what they do, make comparisons. <laughs> hey, buddy, okay, yes. now you got to make an Say compare and contrast, buddy. I guess make it happen. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I haven't had my son do an essay yet. I don't think that will ever come into that 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 torture. You, know, you always got to throw those curveballs. Fucking right? torture of writing a fucking essay. But yeah, um, the socializing aspect, I'm still getting grips to it because now I'm dealing with a 17 year old, like I said earlier. So we're 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 gonna adapt and we're gonna put him in school. And we actually want to put him in something this summer. Um, it's last minute, so we have to fucking like scramble and find something to put him in but he's 17 it's tougher to get the older kids in something yeah uh but you know we're me and my wife are not perfect we don't know everything we're not like the fucking homeschool specialist we i wouldn't dare to teach a group of people how to homeschool their kids that'd be kind of dangerous yeah. 
I, I, we know how our kids are. We know how we are. It's, it's all a personality-based thing, right? You know, we're still learning. I feel it's worth it to us. In the long run, we'll know later when our kids are older. Um, we don't know. It's my <laughs> first time with a fucking 17-year-old. <laughs> I mean, now that... Because you're bringing uh, with the 17-year-old. Yeah. Uh, my next question is the dating aspect of it. He sure. doesn't have... He doesn't... Yeah, the exposure. doesn't yeah. have the availability of giving that a chance and seeing where that goes. I mean, has he been just testing the waters on the street and mm-hmm. or other means online or right. whatever? I mean, what, what has he expressed anything regarding that? Or have you seen him making moves? And no, like, no, I see no. what you're doing. No, no, no. Because you learn game in school. Or For in the, the most hood, part, yeah. Or in the hood. Yeah. Okay. I don't have any game. I never had game. <laughs> now, I'm... I'm there with you, man. I'm there. I'm relati- <laughs> I, I was relatively a popular guy with the girls. Like, I wasn't... I didn't... Thirsty because I had women's attention right. for most of my life, even when I was young. Uh, so, I, I, I can't come from the, the perspective of somebody who didn't have the exposure. I didn't... I, ne- I was never the type who had to, had to go and chase a woman. Never. Mm-hmm. Never. And, and so... Okay, so I don't have any game. I didn't learn any game. I don't think my son has any game. To to pick up a girl in the streets, you need to have fucking game. You understand? You got three seconds. Those cold calls, yeah. Okay. You have three seconds to to impress this woman. Okay, I don't have any game. I never even tried that shit. You spend... My experience was, if I get you for an hour, you decide whether you like me or not. I'm funny. I got personality. When it comes to him... Obviously, that catching girls on the street is not going to be a thing, most likely. He's 17. He's 17, but he's yeah. also relatively quiet. He's yeah. pretty quiet. Uh, he is expressive, but he is quiet. Now, Oscar, this begs the question now. You asked me this. So, he's 17. The women in my life, mm-hmm. my wife, my sister-in-law, and other women, put things into perspective to me. They go, Oscar, I was attracted to Madonna when I was seven years old. Really? Is that normal? I don't know. She's gorgeous. I thought she was gorgeous when I was seven. Does our, is it the culture of hip hop or, I don't think I was into hip hop at seven. Is it the Dominican in me? Is it, is it the hood in me that I was already like, maybe, maybe it wasn't seven. Okay. Maybe I'm, I don't, I don't. Okay. If it, it was the video with Madonna. There's a little boy, he's like watching her through the fucking, like, she's like a stripper and he keeps revealing her and she's like, I don't remember the song, but she was so sexy in that damn thing. And I remember being aroused super early, right? Now, was that taught to me? Is that normal? The women in my life go, look, there is some, some of the, some of these kids are, it's way too early for them. Okay, so I don't know what the right age is because I'm from the hood. I've always been into girls, and and it's always been a thing for me. But things, things can happen earlier. It can be you can be in a right a sort of pressure cooker or something that just it just goes too fast. But and now here's the interesting part about me. So I was a virgin all the way to 21. By the time I was 21, my peers, 14, 13, losing their virginity. I had zero interest. And losing my virginity throughout the entire epic. Right. So even though I had access to women, I wasn't indulging in the, and I wasn't insecure and I wasn't scared. Okay. It's a difference, right? And so, believe it or not, the woman I'm with today, she's my first. My okay. wife is my first. Huh? Okay. Because I, I, again, I'm a person of control. I'm a person of discipline. So I knew what I wanted when I wanted it. I know what I don't want. 
Mm-hmm. I saw other people indulging it, and, and I, didn't, I didn't want to indulge the way they did. That's why I say it's interesting that you brought that up, because where is the right time? But to answer your question, I've had the conversation with my son already. I have to learn about his orientation. Yeah. You know, how do you feel? when? And, and I've had this conversation, you know, and, and it's an ongoing conversation because, you know, you have to make your child comfortable with him telling you yeah. what he feels. Are you gay? Are you straight? Do you do? How do you feel when you see a pretty woman? Yeah. You know, so this is an evolving thing. It happens every now and then. It could be as simple as if I see a girl see, look at Claudio, I might tell him, did you see her looking at you? You know, I haven't seen it yet because we're not exposed. We're not in the hood. <laughs> if my son walks through the hood, there's going to be girls looking at him. Yeah. Uh, we don't live there. <laughs> so it's, it's, there's, there's less accessibility to that information, to that data. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know, you know, because I, I was also very uncharacteristic in that way. You know, while all the guys were indulging at my age, I was sitting back going, yeah, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're fucking whack. You're corny. <laughs> I don't give a fuck if you're pretty. Your fucking conversation is whack. Your 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 IQ is low. And of course, all these women are gorgeous, but you're stupid. I hate to say it that way, but that's that was how I... Now, just to be fair, the same way... It, it, it goes both ways. Sure. I feel. Oh, it yeah, goes yeah. both ways. But it's rare when same it's a guy. Thing. Yeah. When it's from a guy to women. Because we are possessed by one thing, which is... Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're not looking inside of the women usually but the guys get called out for those things like yes. i've had tons of female friends in the past sure. and they would basically say the same thing like if if your game ain't tight but you look good keep your mouth shut mm. because you open your mouth sure yeah you, you dead everything and it's like eh, good well, night. vice versa you. a girl could be dumb and we still want them well yeah but <laughs> guy, guys are you know what we're driven by we're simply complicated yeah you know the simplest shit be like hey you know yeah I hear some of my idiot friends when I was younger it's like I'll hit that I got a heartbeat I'll hit exactly I'll hit that I'll hit that I have one friend is like he's like oh I'll hit something but I'll never tell you guys about it because I know you make fun of me it's like that's not really yeah so I'm saying so I I knew better than to partake in such thing because it would have ruined my life I probably would have had a fucking kid at 16 blah 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 you know the story um, yeah okay it's work in progress with my son. He's right at that age. He's right there. There has to be an evolving conversation between me and him to kind of fill him out. Uh, he has to become... We have to give him the avenue and the ability to, to say, Hey, Dad, listen, I want to go to the mall. I want to go do this. And he is getting to that point. He wants to be around kids. The answer, to answer your question, I think that once I put him in some kind of situation, whether it's school right. or something this summer, it's going to naturally happen. Yeah. He's going to gravitate towards... A girl or the girl will gravitate towards him have you guys tried that um or try or look into those volunteering organizations i don't know those dudes with the red jackets uh, or something like that but i I mean we we, we're so we don't know we we don't know where to start but we started looking already so unfortunately it's super late in the game for this summer because like every other registrations happen in may and all that stuff but uh we'll see we'll find something for him we're gonna find something for him but if not at least we'll put him in school and there's gonna be girls who are attracted to him 
they're gonna be attracted to his swag. You know why? Because he's quiet. He's to himself. He's confident. Women love that shit. Oh, that's that. Like, mm, let me yeah. see. Let me see what's under the hood. Yeah, that's how yeah, I was. His mental hood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's how I was. A girl could twerk in front of me, and I wouldn't blink. And then they, ooh, I like that. Ooh, I like that. He didn't go for that. Got, oh my god, every guy drools over me. I got the. I got the. I got the. Oh, you're, you're a good listener. I'm like, tell me more. <laughs> tell me more. You know. <laughs> Uh, you know, if they're anything like me, at least he, if he's anything like me, then being chilled and swagged is going to work in his favor when it comes to women. That's what women like. They like you to be funny. Yes, I'm funny. He's funny. But they like you to be chilled and not be thirsty and shit. Keep because it, every guy yeah, is fucking tell thirsty. Them, uh, tell my kids, like, keep your composure. Yeah. But don't be too composed, you know. Yeah. Yeah, there's, a, there's a good medium in there. Exactly. There's exactly. a good medium in there. So, you know, he... he it's a tough one for me. Again, remember, it's my first time with a 17-year-old, first time homeschooling a 17-year-old. There's a lot of firsts in life. It's the first time I have two kids at this age. There's always a first. First time where I have a 17, 11-year-old. stop at two. So, so you know, <laughs> so we're working on that, and um, I'm glad that you asked that question, though. No, that's great. And with how everything was set up and how you guys got into it, and mm-hmm. I know you said that there wasn't that much oversight, but let's say if the oversight was consistent mm-hmm. as how it was formatted to be sure now is this strictly handled by you and your wife to teach your kids are you allowed to have people pitch in is that something that is allowed in the the, the handbook if you read it so to speak mm-hmm. or whatever they they given you to guide you through right the beginnings of it mm. and did you have somebody uh, help out I guess the answer for that is yes and no. It's not, the, it's not anything I've ever thought about. Again, it's another question that I appreciate you asking. Mm. Because what you learn is that homeschooling is simply an expression of something that has already existed. And it's a village. Mm. Unfortunately, we don't live in a village. Of course, there's a part of me, and I'm sure there's a part of my wife, who wish that we lived in a village format. What does that mean? That means you have different individuals with different experiences, different age groups in the village that all share common goals, right? Mm-hmm. And you learn from everybody. My son is mostly learning from me and my wife. Right. Where we live in this country, my brother is in another part of the state. My sister's another part of the state. I'm grateful that my mom was able to help us take care of the kids very early on in their lives, both of them. Right. So that way they've had their experience with their grandmother. They know that she's special, that she's important. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yes, of course, I would love for other people to have partaken in their education. But f- first of all, because of where we live, the society, I don't trust anybody. I've curated my life. And I'm teaching them based on what I think is going to work out for our lives. Because remember, while we're trying to unravel their life, I'm unraveling mine's. And my wife is unraveling hers. Mm -hmm. So we're growing and and, and inexperienced in many aspects. And and obviously my kids are naturally their kids. Uh, They will be better than us one day and they will be smarter than us at our age. When we're 40, they'll be better when they're 40. They're going to be teaching us things. Exactly. That's, later that's on. what we fight for. Right. So, I, and I'm aware of that, and, and that's what we, that's what we're preparing for. Yeah, I wish, I wish that it could be a communal thing. I wish that there was a, a, a family across the street who, yeah, 
who I could send my kids to and, and because they are proficient in such such a thing that I can go go over there and just interact with them. Yeah. It's not sit in the living room and look at a blackboard and have it. Just go be with the family and then come back to us. And right. then tomorrow go to this family. And then tomorrow go to the and go anywhere you want. Yeah. And then they make their rounds and then they fucking come as like mixture of the village. Right. It's an, I mean this notion, right? Something that we could assume has been around for thousands and thousands of years in human civilization. And we live in a society that's relatively new that makes us feel like this stuff is is not relevant or, or is not around. Um, homeschooling is just us as a uh, we're doing a throwback yeah. to what uh, you know civilization has probably done for thousands of years. And I'm tapping into that. And my wife is tapping into that. And that's all it is. That's how I feel. Right. And I think, you know, I live in a philosophy that most of the things that I do, most of the things that I subscribe to are things that tap into our ancient civilization. Right. You know, and my instincts tell me that this is in my blood. And, and so homeschooling is that. Okay. It ultimately is that. And I wish that we could, did have a village and we don't. So I can't send my kid across the street yeah. or to my next door neighbor's without feeling that something bad is going to happen to them. And right. that's unfortunate. Yeah, I definitely see what you're saying. Yeah. Now, you um, you touched on how you're going with learning how he's being socially. Yeah. Now, if you notice any social awkwardness, mm-hmm. how do you and your wife mitigate that? If, I mean, if at all, it might not be there yet. I mean, he's only 17. Sure, exactly. And the other one's 11, so... Yeah, that's why I'm thinking have i seen any of that um see it's hard for me because i'm so close to it my son is my son he's normal to me (laughs) and i don't think and and i think and i think that he fits well in society that you want your kids to fit in well society you don't want them to be outside of society so you want them to be exposed to 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 many many things right if if i if i did see something that was concerning how would i deal with it or how would we deal with it first of all we would deal with it like a team me and my wife together there's nothing more powerful than me and my wife's brain combined nothing i have no match to to both those brains put together and neither does she so together we could figure anything out (laughs) she has a woman's perspective i have a man's perspective i have my experience perspective she has her experience i have my american perspective she has her haitian because I am Dominican, but I was born here. Right. So a lot of me is, is American, and I know how this system works, how this structure works. Right. She's Haitian, and she came when she was 11, so she has a different perspective on America and how it works and so on and so forth. And I love her for that. And, 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 but I also appreciate that I, I, I'm American, and I know what the fuck America is all about and how the beast works, and I ride this fucking bull. And I know yeah. how the fuck this bitch works. So we work together great. You know, it, 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 we would just, you know, t- I, I, I guess talking to him, it sounds typical, but talking to him. Also, maybe just even um, an organic process. You know, there's something there's something about an adaptation that leads to an evolution that's right. gradual. Yeah. That's not like, oh, shit, I saw something. Let me run and take care of this right away. You see something, and it, it might be that the beginning of the surface or the head of something and then you go okay i'm aware of it so my the way that i think and the way we maneuver is going to eventually just take care of that problem right instead of me going and directly at it i just go okay i saw it that's all i needed my adaptation will lead to my evolution 
will lead to the gradual solution to that situation. Yeah, it's always good to have a game plan. Yeah. You know, it, it'll help solve a lot of problems. And I, I believe that, okay, people have their first reactions to something. And it might not be the right reaction mm. to a situation. Right. And if you're aware, then, yeah, you do that. You definitely, like, look, take a step back. It's you don't have to go head first into everything. No, you solve a problem by, yeah. like how you said, you, you you analyze it, formulate it, and deal with it. You ever tried and feed a squirrel or watch somebody try and feed a squirrel? I, I get it. Could get. I guess it could get kind of you know, no pun intended, kind of squirrely. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I always use the squirrel example because, you know, if you. You know, we used to visit Central Park all the time. So when you see, you see many people trying to feed squirrels. Yeah. And any general example, just feeding a squirrel. If you make any sudden moves when you're feeding a squirrel, the squirrel gone. is gone. And yeah. they're fucking quick. Yeah. Right? Where if you are calm, you are patient, you wait, the squirrel, because the squirrels are very apprehensive. They're very, um, you know, they're, they're being hunted at all times by, yeah. by all kinds of things. And maybe even humans. Obviously, they don't want to be around us. So, you know, you got to relax. So if I see a problem and you just run towards it, you kind of feel like it's just going to get worse. You know, you just, you know, you, 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 you're, you were way too aggressive and then it evolves into something worse, yeah. you know. And so you're, I'm very careful about rushing something like that. Right. Uh, I, I deal with it like I would. If I wanted to feed a squirrel, how would I do it? I would just be very calm about it and just kind of wait and be patient, and then I'll get what I want. So it's one of, it's one of those situations. Some, sometimes it, in life it pays to be that patient, um, even though it could be a situation where some people would panic and go, oh, my God, no, it has to be now, it has to be now, it has to be now, yeah. it has to be now. And I'm not going to lie, there's some things in my life where I have that sense of urgency, where I'm just like, no, 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 it has to be now, it has to be now, it has to be now. Uh, but there's some things where you just, you Yeah, you can. You I, I, I feel like, I feel unnecessary urgency, it's it's the building blocks to anxiety. Sure. It's, yeah. We, we're both chill to, cer- to certain extents. And when you say both, you mean you and your wife? Yeah. Okay. Um, but she has a sense of urgency on certain things. So do I. Mm. We also, we, we inform each other that, hey, you know, you're kind of getting a little bit out of hand and is not conducive to mm. them learning and being a problem solver. Sure. So we, 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 in a sense, catch ourselves on that. Like, hey, you can't freak out about certain things. She would about certain things. Mm. And... But we would catch ourselves, or we would sure. check each other, and like, mm. well, you can't, you can't be saying these type of things. You can't be doing these type of things. You know, can't be, you know, upset all the time. And it's, but that that type of thing comes with age, sure. And it comes with, and it I feel it only comes with really, really, really being introspective about who you are and how yourself is coming across, and especially to your children. Because like you know, like everybody knows, like you said, it's like they're they're they're, they're sponges. They take in everything, whether you know it or not. Sure. And if you don't know it, then hmm. you're paying attention to the wrong thing. Yeah. On a more serious note. Sure. Do you get slick and double the family vacations at school trips? So, so we are a very untra- untraditional family. So we haven't gone on vacation in a very long time. Okay. Ask me the question again. Do you get slick and double 
the family vacations as school trips? Yes. The answer is yes <laughs> to that. <laughs> okay. So I, I get your question. I get it. The second time you said it, I understood it. Absolutely. The re- And I have thought about this. And the reason and the way that it happens is that I want my kids to experience some of the ecstasy that I experienced in my freedom as a young person. So I can give you an example. Me and my kids go on what I call adventures. Right. Okay. And yes, they double as a a school trip, (laughs) but it's also a little bit of selfishness on my part. Okay. Okay. But I can say it's okay because they're learning. (laughs) So, 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 um, you know, I can give you a couple of examples where I've put my kids in danger and that's important and it's kind of weird and leave it up to a father to be the one to do that. True. Okay. So I, I feel I, I, I try, I can't, there's no way I could fill the gaps that school can with socializing and kids and getting in trouble and getting into and out of trouble, so on and so forth. But in the summer, when the temperature is good, you know, I do take my kids on adventures. They're having very different experiences than other kids are having right. in the summer and in general. But they are having an experience and one that they'll always remember and will be a part of their building blocks um, right. for the rest of their lives. So they are having different experiences than the average kid. And some examples that I could give you is that, uh, like I said, I put them in danger, in serious danger. I teach my kids how to ride bike and go down hills on some crazy shit. And the lesson there is you have to, there's a lot of lessons there. Be in control. Be aware of your environment. Survive. Don't die. Mm -hmm. It's a broad thing that I'm saying, but I am pounding this into them when we're going. When we ride, we ride in the streets with cars. Mm -hmm. We ride towards traffic, not with it. Because that's how I rode bike when I was young. It's yeah. dangerous. And I put them through that. And and um, there's a lot of situations. And my wife says, listen, don't do that stuff in front of me. And you could <laughs> understand why. Because motherlies have a very different motherly instinct oh, yeah. than fathers do. Yep. Okay, so I'm teaching my kids how to go out into the world and be prepared for anything. And to get hurt. And to survive. And to get up. You know, I'm putting, you know, I, I'll tell you a quick story. We, we ride bike and when we find hills and we're, we're in a city. So this is not like, look at the bottom of this hill, there's cars and there's traffic lights and there's stop signs. Yep. Okay. There's cars going 40 miles an hour at the bottom of this hill. And I put my kids through that knowing what was at the bottom of this hill. And guess what, Oscar? One of my kids fell. And mm. this was just last summer. Wow. And he ditched the bike. Oof. Before he got to the intersection. Because he knew what was going to happen if he... And I taught him that. Yeah. And I didn't teach him that by telling him to ditch his bike. He did something that I never taught him. Mm. I didn't... How do you teach a kid to ditch a bike? How do you teach a kid how to fall off a bike? I I never taught him that. What I did teach him is to have a presence of mind. To read the temperature, like you said. To... To be aware of everything. Mm -hmm. So all your instincts come at the same time and you make the right decision. An instinct that happened in a split second and gave you the best outcome. Yeah, you got a scrape. Yeah, you got shook up. But you're not dead. And all your body parts work. And you took the best course of action. You ditched the bike at the right fucking time. 
and I was so proud of him. I was like, damn, I was, I was like, Dante, you a fucking boss. You fucking, <laughs> yo, look at you. Yo, you fucking standing right here. You don't understand, Oscar. The hill, by the time, I, I was the last, I always go last because I want to see them ahead of me. Midway through this hill, I was out of control. Mm. We, it was too steep. I was out of control. And I learned this. I don't know if you ever grew up riding bikes. When I was young, I used to steal bikes because mm. I couldn't afford them. So we were, me and my friend would steal bikes and rob bikes. Yeah. I never owned a bike that my mom purchased. <laughs> uh, well, we I'm sorry, we did. But one, when we were really young, after that, all my bikes were stolen. And you, you steal bikes that have fucked up brakes. I don't know how to fix brakes. I don't have money to take this to a mechanic. So you learn how to ride bikes in the hood with no fucking brakes. Yeah. And if you want to go to the one, if you're in Washington Heights and you're in 165 and you want to go to 181st, you're going to have some fucking hills. And you want to go to 181st and you go and it is what it is. And you fucking make it and you make it back and there's hills and you don't have brakes. Yeah. And it is what, and these brakes don't stop you from going or not going. And so these are the adventures that I went through in my life. And I, and then during these field trips, this is what I teach them uh, without indirectly. And uh, again, so, you know, I put them in these situations when you're, it don't matter if you, the hill was so steep that it, the brakes didn't matter. Mm. That you could press them and still going. Still going. Mm -hmm. So if you've ever experienced that, I have. Okay. That's how <laughs> steep the, the hill was. And so it was a lesson for everybody. Everybody made it. Everyone saw and experienced my youngest son flip off that fucking bike miraculously get up from that accident and have nothing wrong with him a motorist stopped in front of my my son i was still i had dropped my phone midway through the hill because i have a mount for my phone and the wind for this hill was so that my phone went flying so i stopped midway so by, while i'm doing this my son has the accident at the bottom of the hill a motorist pulls aside and goes that's what you fucking get <laughs> so, <laughs> that in itself is a lesson. And I'm yeah. like, I'm glad that that happened to you. Now you know that how people are. Everything is a lesson. Everything is an education. Everything is homeschooling. Now you know what's up. Don't rely on anybody else. You get the fuck up. You get the fuck off. The if that bike was broken, you're you walking home. Yeah. Ain't, we, ain't no cab coming. Ain't no bus coming. Nigga, you're walking home with this fucking bike. There was no Metro cards for no, us. We, no. we had to... you walking home. Yeah. Okay, so those are the kind of trips that my kids go on. We t we go through hiking, and we I put them in situations where we were climbing on these parked trains, and then we get off the fucking train, and then the train moved. And we're like, fuck, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> Shit like that. Like, I'm... I'm an adventurer. I was, I've always been an adventurer. So these are the situations that I put my kids. My kids are adventurers. They know how to. And I got two boys. I don't have any girls. And maybe it'd be different if I had a girl. Right. You know, do I want my girl to fucking fall down a hill? I don't. Do I want my son to scrape his fucking elbows? Yes. Do I want him to bleed from his knees? Yes. Do I want my daughter to bleed from her knees? I don't know. I don't, I don't have a daughter, but I don't, I don't think I would want my daughter to bleed from her knees. I want my kids to bleed from their knees. I want them to get hurt and get up without me being there, without my help. So these are the adventures that we go on on a, on a summerly basis, and we do this often. We we don't we, we swim out there in Connecticut where there are no lifeguards. <laughs> mm. We swim where nobody's going to come save you. If you, I'll try and save you, but I can barely swim, and we're learning how to swim. Yeah. So these are the situations I put them in. Hey, this is life. It's life. There is no... 
handrails here there is no safety here i'm here for you and you could but you we need to go through this like i don't know what the fuck i'm doing i'm gonna go down this fucking hill and i could kill myself yeah and you gotta try and instill that resilience yes whether it's there or not i mean if it's there you have to show them this is how you use it and maintain it or like look you gotta learn i i there's nothing like growing up in the hood oscar and i don't think my kids are gonna be as resilient as i am because I, I'm from the hood. I'm, I'm South Bronx born and raised. I, I know yeah. I know exactly what you mean. And, yeah. you know, moving to where I'm at now, I mean, you see how it is. You saw it. You you know, they're here to have what I had to make me what I am. It, it might not happen, but I want mm-hmm. them to have it in their own way. And yeah. however way there is, <laughs> then... I'll do my best to foster it, but no, I, but do I, would I wanted them to live that type of life? Not really, because. But if only you could only show them the tough parts without the torture, without the, you know, are you going to survive type of thing? Right, Like that, you know, my friends one night, you know, running around fucking Southern Boulevard and I forget, I forgot what we, (laughs) it was a summer night and. Go ahead. Shit, we were walking through. Something was happening on the bu- on the boulevard. I'm sure you know Southern Boulevard, about 163rd. Yes, yes, yes. You yes. know between the six train Hunts Point and Simpson. Okay. So we're on that spot in the middle by by Aldous, and something happened on the boulevard. Mm. Dudes is wilding, and mm. next thing you know, pop, pop, pop. I Ooh. just I hear it. I turn around. Ooh. I see the smoke in the air. Oh, I think there was shit. I think there was a fight, and a dude wanted to stop the fight. By shooting a gun in the air. Sure. Like, okay. people not that bright. <laughs> and, you know, we're like, holy shit. We, and there was a, a, a salon. So A salon, go ahead. One of them had the foresight of locking the door, banging on it. They're like, no, no, no. Oh, but shit. it's a bunch of kids not banging on the door. Like, open the fucking door. And then we just ran. But all that attention was that way. Mm. We ran the other way. Sure. And... Would I want them to experience it? No. I no, mean, of course not. Where, where I lived on, on Hoav when I was a, a, a early teenager, mm-hmm. you know, somebody I knew, I forgot his name, I think it was Jason. Like, it was, I, I remember this day so fucking vividly. It was a weekend and it was raining. All I heard was two shots. Mm-hmm. I look out the window. I don't want to hear the end of this story. Uh, <laughs> Go you, ahead. You're going to, but. I know where it's going. Body on the floor. I recognized the bike. Oh my goodness! How old was this young man? He he must have been like between fifteen and seventeen. And he's not with us anymore. Done. Sheesh. And he was one. He was one of the young dudes, you know, oh selling on God. the block. I believe his name was Jason. And look at that. Man. I I you know it was worse. Of course, him and his family having to deal with his loss, but then people don't realize the ripples oh of God. of people who Tell experience it. Today. I'm on the first floor. I live in. The, I, I I was on the first floor, towards the front of the building. Yeah. And it happened right across the street. Before they before they made a, a this whole building complex, that whole building complex that was between Ho and Southern Boulevard was a huge motherfucking parking lot. Mm. And then I hear that all you hear is the rain, the shots, everything's quiet. Fuck I man. look out and. I hear the rain. The, you hear the raindrops, and I'm looking out the window, and I see him just laying there. Same fucking movie, man. Over and with the and fucking over. the bike twisted, you know, it's one of those things you're never gonna it. forget. Yeah, man. 
Yeah, we don't want our kids to experience that. You know, a lot 100%. of there's all the shits that I've seen and experienced, and it's like, you know, to make them as I would be mm-hmm. to to go through that. No, no, no never, no, no. never that. I mean, but there's stuff that you went through that made you who you are. That yeah. that that if you had if you were given the choice to go through at your young age, you would have said no. But it's good that you went through. Who knows what it was because it made you stronger, or whatever, whatever. But there's no way for us to know which ones are going to injure us, exactly. Which ones are going to make us strong, yeah. right? You know, I mean, it's it's all for good or for bad. It's all formative experiences, and they're going through that with how you and your wife are homeschooling them. And there's no doubt they're going to be great individuals because of of who they have supporting them. Now, I are, are they going through all this and everything that you're you guys are teaching them and everything mm-hmm. are they are they showing any leanings towards college and if not i mean would you guys steer them that way or play by ear so that one is a little bit more we have a little bit more control with that one and the reason is because first of all both me and my wife are artists we're not trained artists but we're creatives and i think that everybody is it's up to you whether you have the courage to develop that, to go forward with that, express it, so on and so forth. I think everybody does. But it's, it's difficult in today's society to find make a living doing this stuff. It's, it's some of the most difficult things to do. Find something you like and you're good at and then try and make a living from that. It's very difficult. Yeah. Because, you know, I just so happen to like and be good at photography and it's a very pro- profitable industry. Yeah. Uh, but if I was a painter... It'd be a lot more challenging, right? Yeah, you only make money after you die. Shit. So, luckily, I can offer a service that many people want, and I can start a business from it, so on and so on. Regardless. No, but you're very good at it. Appreciate it, appreciate it. Now, college, we, we, our kids, we've taught them to be very expressive, to be on the creative side, and to, and to be business-oriented. Right. So, start thinking already about fine you like doing this you're learning how to do this but you have to monetize this at some point yeah so we we've been doing that with them for a long time and 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 as we speak right now both my kids one is 17 and one is 11 they both have their own businesses now are they successful businesses (laughs) no but they have businesses and that's that's what we're instilling in them Okay, so they have their own businesses. They have their own social media platforms promoting these businesses. Um, They're learning how to market, how to expose themselves, how to get out there, how to grow while continuing your business. So college is more of a trade school, right? It's You know, you go there to learn something very specific. My kids are going to be creatives and businessmen. So, like, look, first of all, do you need to go to school to be a businessman? Or woman? No. No. Okay. Uh, you know what you need? You need a talent or a, or a service or a product and money. I don't need to spend 30 fucking thousand dollars on tuition for them to fucking learn this or whatever it's going to cost, wherever they would go. If you want to be a doctor, go to college. If you want to be a lawyer, go to college. If college, if you need college, go to college. Yeah, you plumbers don't go to college. They have apprenticeships. There you go. So I don't, college is not something that they're, I don't think they're going to end up doing. Maybe they will. Maybe my, you never know what happens in the next five years, mm-hmm. next three years, next two years with my 17 year old. You know, you know, this is a, 
a time of um, radical change because I remember when I was 17 and life moved very quickly at that time and changed very quickly at that time for me. So, you know, look, if, if my oldest decides today, hey, I want to I want to go to college. We got to find a way for him to go to college. And, you know, you don't need high school to go to college. You could just knock on the doors, give them money. And they will accept you. And then, I mean, some of them will make you do a, a, a entrance exam to make sure that you are suitable for their for their school. They want only the best, so on and so forth. Blah blah blah. It is what it is. If he has to study his ass off because he wants to go to a particular college, and we got to go and take out a loan so he can go to college, then so be it. You know, whatever. Yeah. I don't know if scholarships are are an option for us. Maybe they are. Maybe they aren't because he doesn't have. Uh, you know the, the school behind him he doesn't have any report cards he's he doesn't have essays or anything right doesn't have a, a track record in schools so college is not we don't even think about it or talk about it because they're going to be businessmen this is america you have to fucking make money man like that's it what do you want like go get your shit man learn something get good at it i tell my kids a uh, very plain english you know you're going to find something you're good at and somebody is going to want your service yeah. go give it to them and that's it you have a service, you have a product, you have something, go give it, go sell it to somebody. Get good enough where you can sell it to somebody. Or it sells itself. That's it. So yeah. it is what it is. So that's, the, you know, stuff like that. We're, we're learning the philosophy of business, the philosophy of marketing, the philosophy. These are the classes that we learn in our home. The philosophy of, of branding, the philosophy of, of language. And, and I'm really good with this stuff. You know, that's how my business was able uh, you know, because I, I, I'm good. I'm naturally good at some of these things. Mm -hmm. College is not really something we ever really think about. Hey, if he decides he wants to be a doctor, then we have to fucking put him in college because yeah. <laughs> you can't go on YouTube and be a fucking doctor. Oh, no. Okay, uh, so jails right after that, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> no, how how is this doing all of this? And it looks like you've incorporated it pretty well. Was there a certain point in time where this impacted your? the time for your business as well as your wife's time and work life never because homeschooling is a very adaptable thing and uh so i mentioned earlier in the podcast when i told you that early when i opened my photo studio the kids were there with me mm -hmm. they were there with me they were at the studio and 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 i i believe that they were doing homework at the studio uh, sometimes, but most of their learning came from watching me run the business, right. interact with people. I didn't know what I was doing when I opened my photo studio. Again, I don't have, I didn't follow anybody to do this. I don't, I didn't learn this from anybody. I opened the studio. I had no idea what the fuck I was doing, which is the most beautiful thing that could happen to somebody like me. Not everyone functions that well under those circumstances. I flourish where I don't know, when I don't know shit. Right. The less I know, the better I'm going to be because I'm such an independent person. I, If you're over there, I'm over here. I'm, I don't care if what you're doing is working. I'm going to go over here. Right. While you're doing this, I'm doing that. And, and, and I'm so stubborn in that way, in a good way, and rebellious, that I'd rather go the long way <laughs> when I make it. And I've always gone the long way. Um, and so... For me, opening my studio and not knowing what the fuck I was doing and learning and they watching me learn and then they could see me now and go, wow, my dad did it. I watched them learn. Right. I watched him struggle. I watched him stutter. I watched them be stuck. I watched them in, in trouble. 
and then to and then to, and, and and then to also sit there and watch people go your business is incredible you guys are incredible you guys are great right you know to see that 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 literal evolution from the beginning and so the how can how can you teach that in yeah. a format and so this is what they learned where they were so no they we it never interfered in our business and never interfered with my wife's job when she was working a standard job now she we are both full-time photographers and she has her own business where she does couture dresses for little girls so she's trying to launch her business which one day is going to be a million dollar business it never interfered they're a part where this is our village mm -hmm. this is our village it's all of us and there is no there's there is no interference we are we are adaptive to this entire situation and uh, every every time is the right time and and it's it's true to fact that you don't really learn from reaching your end goal the learning part is the journey oh man it's the best part yeah and i've always been aware of that wow i'm going through the journey i love the journey and i teach my kids to love the journey the journey hurts yeah. and it's good pain yeah. love the pain i love that pain and i talk to my kids just like i told you that right there that's exactly how i talk to my kids i say you love that pain you better go through that shit. That shit is the best shit in the world, man. It's the best sauce you will ever have in your life. So absolutely, you're 100% right on that. That's, that's, title that the podcast. That's it. Man, that fucking journey. I know we're talking about homeschooling, but it's all intertwined. And, and, absolutely. And, you know, and all this stuff. And if you, if you were to distill it, so the best and not so best things that you would take away from from homeschooling kids right from uh, from inception to now you can't replace the social aspect of a, of a of a standard school with homeschooling you can't compete you have to find something to 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 fill that hole and you're never going to find it because they nothing like taking 300 kids and sticking them in a building for 6 hours <laughs> you know there's nothing like it you know the the ironic part is that i i hated school and so i i would come home from school in high school with my mouth dry because i didn't talk all day mm. because everybody in school was so fucking whack to me <laughs> that i won't talk to nobody cuz all y'all are trying to fit in to this group, to that group. And I was so disgusted by high school that I, even though I was the best dressed kid, damn near guaranteed I was the best dressed kid in school. Everyone thought I was a drug dealer. <laughs> so much so that nobody talked to me and I didn't give a fuck. I didn't, I was never bullied. I never got robbed. All the girls wanted me, but I didn't want them. It was the best thing in the fucking world. I was the biggest mystery in my fucking high school. FYI, I went to school in Manhattan Center in Harlem on East 116th Street. That school was popping. <laughs> FYI, Camera went to that school. Mace went to that school. Mm. Not while I was there, but right before I was there. So when I was there, all, all you heard was, oh yeah, Mace and You know, at that time, that's when they were popping off yeah. in the industry. That was the coolest fucking school I had ever seen in my fucking life. And I fit right the fucking, and I talked to nobody. So I didn't socialize in school, but I'm different. So, but I know that not everyone is like me, so people need that social aspect. I could survive without it. Now, you know, I could survive without it because I knew who I was and I knew that I had swag and I was, and if I wanted to, I could fucking take this whole shit over, but I didn't want to. 
Um, but I know that everyone, some people have to feel themselves out and know where they stand, so on and so forth. They're not as confident. And so school can't, you can't replace that social aspect with anything, especially at that age range. You right. can't do it. So that, that would be one thing. And then the positivity, that, that's the negative. I'm, well, I can't, not so good. But yeah. I can't think of anything else. No, because the, the way school teaches, it's just trash. And um, they can't teach kids the way you would homeschool your kids. And then the positivity of, of, of obviously homeschooling your kids is, is the culturing of it. Just the, going back to your roots of like villaging your kids. That's a phrase I'm going to make up right now. Villaging <laughs> your kids. Villaging your kids. It's something, you know, that these pros outweigh the cons by light years. Right. Light years, light year, light year. So, you know, there's there's always pros and cons to things. And, and you know, there's going to be something that they don't get from homeschooling that they would have gotten in school. But I feel at the end of the day, what they're going to get from homeschooling is going to be so much more better. And I'm hoping. Right. I'm hoping that I'm right, that I don't let my kids down, that they don't end up one day going, you know, that you fucked up. You didn't fucking, you didn't, you didn't pick make the best decision for me you fucked up i'm a fucking loser these are my nightmares right i, right. I would assume that this is any parent who cares about the kid this would be your nightmare that one day your yeah. kid spites you you know you should have you should have looked out for me you know they're gonna say this to you when they're adults yeah, we hope that experience huh like they wanted that experience the opposite or but... maybe or not that they felt that they would have became better human beings if they did have that experience that's and i hope that that's not the case i hope that i me and my wife who took a risk me and my wife are, are big risk takers and most of the time they pay off and this is one of them we risked it with our children society right. said this is the norm and we said not nah. and the society said if you don't do this your kids will lose and we said not nah. what if society was right i don't think they're right but we'll see later on so I think we'll be fine, and um, and so the pros are just just lear the learning experience, their mentality, the openness, their acceptanceness of everything, um, the conflicts that they would have to deal with in school. I can't give that to them, and I wish that they had it. So it's one of the cons that they, you know, right. de dealing with their peers and conflicting with them mm -hmm. is important. But you also don't want to see Johnny get shot and experience okay. that, right? So yeah. It's a, it's a radical example I just used, but what, uh, what I'm trying to say is that some of these bad experiences sometimes end up being really, really bad. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can, I can kind of compare it to, uh, maybe you could get my meaning, like to the movie Juice. Sure. And I believe that's the one. That's the one with Tupac. Sure. That's yes. the one that they're in. They're they're in. You know, the city is for them crazy movie and me and my brother all, were just talking about this movie they're all friends yes man and then it just devolves fuck man it's crazy yeah. we just had to, i have to watch this movie again <laughs> but i do re that the situation was so disgusting yeah because like you said it just devolves throughout this film and it's just out of control and tupac's character is the catalyst and he's fucking out of control this fucking yeah. guy uh and that's scary shit man that movie is good because of that but it touches on that world out there yep there's, there's you ask you know there's parts caves in life that when we go through them we can't come back out of them absolutely not we and if we do back. we're we're some of us are insanely changed like well well that's what i mean by not coming back meaning you'll never go back to normal yeah you'll never be yourself yeah who you were before you went into that particular cave scary situations there you know there's a lot of stuff that could have happened to me 
when I was young, rambunctious, oh, crazy. Yeah. If I if I would have got arrested by the wrong cop, and and he would have ruined, he would have sent me to Rikers while I wait for a judge. Mm-hmm. This happens to guys. Yeah, it's scary as shit for nothing that they did, because they were accused of doing stuff. They're in Rikers, waiting for a judge. Two, three, four years. Fuck. Yeah, that could have been me. And the the kid that that got out that. Yeah, he was able to be released after being held, and without. and he, he ultimately committed suicide. Yeah. This kid. and uh, that's what I'm referring to. It's exactly that story. That story is so scary to me. And when I hear those stories, I tell my wife, I said, "Baby, I was that guy. I could have easily been picked up by that cop. I was out and about." Yeah, you remember the Central Park Five? Yeah, I was that kid. Meaning, I wasn't them literally, but I, that could have been me. You know? And then you have somebody, some freaking idiot that doesn't even believe they were exonerated. It's scary stuff, man. And the, the, these men, were ch- they're men now. They were changed forever. They went through that cave and came back out. And they were different. And they can never go back. Yeah. It's, it's, and I was fortunate enough to have crazy experiences that I was able to control and I didn't go too deep. I didn't get too. I didn't get too involved with the cops. I didn't get too involved with the wrong group. Same here. I got enough, just enough from bunches, just enough craziness to go. Okay, I can survive in the hood. I know my way around. I know when I see the body language here. I'm gonna go back to what you said. Read the temperature of the room. You know, this guy's about to pop off. This situation is not good right here. We out of here. And like you said before, like, I know not to stand next to this dude. Nope. Or told my wife. I've, I maybe have said it on the podcast. I don't, I, I don't know how I made it. I don't know how I made it Man. from there to here. Yeah, I consider. When I watch some of these stories, I tell my wife, I said, babe, you know how close I was to that being me? Bruh. That could, and I have no idea. I'm just, like, living my life, blah, blah, blah. And then I turn to a dog. Yes. And then you grow up and you hear all these stories about all these kids who are men now who went through the system, went through Rikers. Normal kids like me who are not bad kids, were not drug dealers, were not violent kids. They were normal kids having fun in the hood. And the wrong cop picked on the wrong fucking kids, man. And I go, damn, babe, that could have easily been me. You never would have met me. <laughs> yeah. You never would have met me. I, 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 I compare it, and I don't even know if it's a fair comparison, but... You know, when you said said it like that and how we're discussing it, it's like we're all walking in the herd, and yeah. we were fortunate enough to be in the middle of the pack. Sure, while some dudes were being picked off on the edges. And meanwhile, you're in the middle of the herd, unknowing that the outside, everybody's getting picked off. Yep. And I, but you're just chilling, like ooh ooh ooh, life is good, yeah. life is fun. I'm gonna jump this turnstile, or I'm gonna steal this soda, or I'm gonna steal this bike. I'm going to play manhunt or tag in a park at nighttime. Uh-huh. <laughs> there could have been the right w- woman there going, they raped me. Shit. We want the best for our kids. I'm, in, in, in me and my wife's case, we happen to have been territorial parents, both of us. And we took destiny in our own hands. Yeah. And the story is still being told. My kids are great men. They're going to be great men to women, great men to society. They're going to be profitable and it is what it is that's what they're gonna be they don't have a choice i'll retire into the woods one day (laughs) (laughs) um i think that covers our final thoughts any uh shout outs you would like to give i know you said your your sons are running business so shout them out your wife sure uh first let me give you a shout out uh thank you i really appreciate your platform i appreciate you it's the it's 
The second time I've ever really spoken to you, we had a preemptive talk at my photo studio during a party there that I had facilitated, right? And so it, it's great. Uh, for those who don't know, I don't know if you do this for all your guests, but you made me a bracelet and it means a lot <laughs> to me. I don't, I, there's no way for me to express it. I think it's great. I'm not going to wear it every day because I think it's special and I don't want to, I don't want to think, I don't want to mess it up, but I will if, definitely. If, if anything happens to it, I'm, I'm like one of those companies. Just, I'm like, I'm like Timberland, <laughs> like how Timberland used to be. Yeah. Just bring it back. I'll resole it. I didn't know Timberland did that. I threw all my Timberlands out. I threw all my fucking Tims out. So yeah, anything happens to it, I'll definitely I'll hook it up. And but look, if you want to wear it, go go right ahead. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I, what I it, it's what it's made for. Well, I'm a rocket. Um, It'll be up on Instagram. It's. I love the thought. It's very, I really appreciate it. Your wife is incredible. Your kids are awesome. Thank you. Uh, you brought me into your, your environment. I really appreciate it. Stuff like that fascinates me, like I told you earlier when we were talking before the podcast. So um, somebody's environment is indicative of the people. So it's not separate. Right. And so I take away a lot, a lot from that. And so I appreciate that. So that's the first shout out, the main <laughs> shout out. Thank you. Uh, besides that, I guess I could just plug a couple things here. Me and my wife run our own photography studio, Real Dope the Field Photography. We have a studio in Mount Vernon, New York. I don't know if I should spell this damn thing out. Uh, Real Depth of Field. The the you you you'll be all tagged up on okay, on IG. Yeah. Good. Um, so that's something we've been doing for 12 years. We're proud. We service mostly Black and Hispanic um, people. Uh, everyone is welcome, but we are in Mount Vernon, and we, uh, as you know, that community. And so, and we draw people from Manhattan, Queens, Brooklyn, Jersey, and Connecticut. They all come to our studio. As you should. I don't Very think good. anyone is doing what we're doing, being from where we're from and right. where we came from. So I don't think any. So we are doing a lot there. We're proud of it, and um, yeah. You'll, you'll see our work. Um, Oscar will, will tag it. My kids have their own businesses. Uh, I'll give you the information. You'll put it on there. Luckamation, DNE, Creations. Uh, my wife has her own business. My sister-in-law who lives with us, she has her own business. We've been helping her with her business for some time. Um, what are the names of the uh, So it's Dear Lilene. She does couture dresses. My wife does couture dresses from ages 1 to 13. Nice. Shirley has Norang Claire. It's a fashion line, a streetwear fashion line. Nice. Again, all the spelling will be in the description. I'm Absolutely, assuming. yeah. And you'll see the theme there. My whole family has nothing. They have their own platforms going on, their own businesses. They're nice. building. So this is what we're teaching in our home, both to the adults and the children in the home. Everybody is learning this all at once. And then one more thing is I have an exciting platform called Hip Hop VCR. I'm going to make it quick on that one. When I was uh, 1996, I was 15 years old. I started recording rap interviews and all kinds of crazy shit from MTV, BET, VH1. And um, I recorded for eight years. Then suddenly, just last year, I decided to put them up on YouTube. And it mm. fucking blew up. Yes. It blew up so much that I got shut down. And that's awesome. <laughs> um, and so and now I, I kind of restarted it. I think um, I'm, I'm very close to doing a podcast for Hip Hop VCR. Essentially, nice. it's going to be about some unique perspectives about uh, our hip hop culture from my era because it's what i know best and and it's going to be very interesting so hip-hop vcr and then i saw some merch for that too it's great and i have an instagram for that so all that you know oscar will link that in the description 
and, and yeah, those those I think that's it. That's what we got going on. We're always busy, always evolving and adapting and innovative. Innovation is my the word of the century nice. in my home. Innovation. And thank you very much for giving me your time, your thoughts, your views. It is very well appreciated. God is a you, pleasure. You will everyone listening visit my ig page fyi i am damaged all one word check us out check out the other episodes and if you feel you have a story to tell if you feel you have strengths to share by all means please reach out like subscribe i'm all over the place just look me up fyi ied or fyi i am damaged thank you very much for joining us on another episode of fyi i am damaged fyi I am damaged. Carajo. Coño. Good night, everybody. (laughs) Peace. (laughs)